0: Welcome to the Hoop Collective Podcast, our third annual Friendsgiving Megapod. We know so many of you out there are traveling to and from your family and or hiding from your family over the Thanksgiving holidays, so we hope you enjoy it. Joining us from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, the center, where shortly he's going to watch the 76ers play the Cavs in a huge in-season tournament uh, game, although the Cavs don't have Donovan Mitchell or you know a couple other players. Tim Bontemps.
1: I hope everybody listening didn't have their eardrums explode. Fun pot ahead, though. A lot of fun guests. I'm it's going to be good.
0: Yes, we have a couple of surprises coming. One big one. Joining us from all, from New York. You're not in New York, Bontemps, but uh, your compatriot here.
1: McMahon is in New York reason, State, not New York City.
0: I didn't say New York City. I said I New York. I'm just clarifying for the listener. For some reason, he's in Sagerties, New York. I'm not sure why. Probably has something to do with running from the law. But <laughs> our man Ban McMahon is joining us from upstate New York.
2: Howdy, partners! Uh, you can probably relate to this, Wendy. My wife tells me to be somewhere, I get there, and so doing a little family Thanksgiving up here, and I will see Bond temps in the city this weekend. Right,
0: spectacular! All right, so we've got a big pod coming up here. We got a whole bunch of guests and our friends. But before we do that, I want to remind everybody we do have the first ever the first and probably the last ever Mm-mm. hoop collective live show on Friday, December 8th in Las Vegas at uh, the Jimmy Kimmel comedy club at the link promenade right there on the strip. You can get more information about tickets, which include uh, food and merchandise at bit.ly.com slash windy hoop, Vegas, w i n d y h o o p v e g a ticket information is available there okay let's have some friends giving
2: first of many first of many not friends but live shows
0: okay joining us now we have a special guest from outside the collective you know these are rarely invitations rarely given out by yours Mm. truly but we made an exception for isaac chotner of the new yorker joining us from oakland california isaac is known for his q a's at the new yorker on like global politics and so forget about all that let's talk about the houston rockets isaac your favorite team what's going on nothing i triple checked the time that
3: this was going to start so i'm glad we got that all set away because i know that's a problem on this podcast sometimes mm. but it's good to be here <laughs> well especially <laughs> we'll if we are talk. talking
2: time zones hold on new yorker he's in oakland and loves the rockets. Like if anybody can figure out the whole time zone confusion, is this well team.
1: here? Here's the best part for behind the scenes Windhorse, because he can't ever keep track of time, as everybody who listens to the pod knows, only talks in Eastern time. Only. So yesterday, right. when he reached out to Isaac about the pod, what does he do? Hey, Pacific time. Is this good for you?
0: Yes, but Isaac, <laughs> Isaac is like, wait I a second, what
1: time is right?
0: <laughs> but Isaac doesn't know I only talk in Eastern time. He doesn't know that. So I was it doing just it was his
1: it was it was perfect. He'd, call, he'd actually check with me twice to make sure this was the right time so he'd be ready to go to talk about the
0: Rockets. Isaac, how did you become a Rockets fan?
3: You know, I l- just loved Akeem when I was a young kid. I just, he became my favorite player and then they won a couple championships and then I stuck with it despite being in Oakland while the Warriors had, you know, the greatest team ever and kept beating the Rockets.
0: It wasn't the style of play that James Harden brought in the 2010s that brought you in and made you a Rockets fan. That was so many, brought in so many.
3: Yeah, no, it was universally beloved, but I was fortunately uh, on board before then.
2: Listen, not only did you stick with it while the Warriors became this dynasty, you stuck with it for the last three years, which were pretty painful from a Rockets perspective, but we don't need to touch on phase one. Phase two has started. Okay. (laughs) Phase two is off to a pretty successful start in Houston, if we want to be honest, and lost the last three, but- the Rockets, you, you can no longer go out and enjoy the uh, nocturnal entertainment in Houston and coast away to a win. The Rockets are a hard-playing, tough team now. I don't know if they're a good team, but they play hard and they're tough.
0: So, Isaac, the Rockets have something that is unique about them uh, that no one else in the NBA can say right now. Do you know, Rockets fan, what that is? No, I don't. They are the last winless road team in the NBA. They are 0-5 on the road. Actually, 0-5 and, and on the road. Um, they have been 6-1 and 1 at home, and they've been out on this road trip where they've um, come back to earth a little bit. Uh, but winless on the on the road so far. By the way, as a quick check-in, you know we sometimes early in the season, I talk about the Doug Moe standings, which is uh, you take uh, road wins and subtract home losses. You either get a positive or negative number. Uh, leading the home the uh, the Dugmo standings, the Boston Celtics six road wins, no home losses, plus six. Not surprising, considering they've got the best record in the NBA right now. Second place in the Dugmo standings, the Miami Heat, who have played the most road games in the NBA, and they have three more road games on this trip that they're on right now. And when they get done with that trip, they will have played twelve road games and just five home games so keep that in mind this is exactly the purpose of the doug Mo standings to chart uneven things uneven schedules early in the season by the way we should talk about who's leading our uh, our wins pool Bontemps. so calculate that for the next uh
1: i will i will calculate it while we're doing this
2: i, I
0: thought all right isaac
3: me. I thought we were talking. No, I was going to say, we
2: should,
1: we should maybe relax. let Isaac
3: speak. Just maybe. relax. <laughs> Just relax. Just relax.
2: <laughs> Isaac, did you go to the uh, to the Rockets' loss to the Warriors out there in the Bay
3: uh, last night? No, I did not.
2: Okay, that honestly was an interesting game. I got I only got to watch the second half, so I did not see Jalen Green play a whole lot um, during the portion that I was watching. He sat the entire fourth quarter, which was interesting. Um, Emeadoke has he's he has gone down the stretch without bringing Jabari Smith Jr. back in before, and and Jabari Smith handled it pretty well. And you know he was asked about benching Green in the fourth quarter and basically said, "Hey, I just want to stick with the the lineup that was out there. They were playing better." But for all the things that have gone well in Houston this year, Jalen Green's not one of them. He is he is not like his, his numbers are down aside from rebounding across the board. That's a bit concerning considering that, you know, you would hope third year is kind of a, a leap year, like we're seeing from Alper and Shingun, who looks like an all-star.
3: Yeah. And you know, there was that game against the Clippers about four days ago where they gave it to Green several times in the fourth quarter and he just couldn't get anything, turn the ball over at least once. And so, you know, you understand why Udoka would do that, but it's a weird situation for the Rockets because I think in some sense, everything has gone well this year. Uh, not, not the, not the Thompson injury, but everything else has gone well for the Rockets this year. they, end up signing Dylan Brooks instead of Brooke Lopez, which I think a lot of people like myself thought was really unfortunate.
2: They thought they were getting both.
3: Okay, fair enough. They They were certain
2: they were were getting both until they didn't get one of them.
3: Yeah. And, you know, I think it's turned out much better with Brooks than anyone expected. Jabari's had some really good moments, some great moments on defense. Van Vliet Vliet has been really sturdy. And yet the kind of centerpiece of this, Jalen Green, who's supposed to be their star it kind of seems like it might not happen. And so it's this weird thing where they've got all this promise on the on the roster, but maybe just not a centerpiece to it.
2: Well, you know what? I think the centerpiece is the other guy that they got in that draft. Shingun's their centerpiece right now. I mean, you know, he, he's their he's their star. He's the guy who I don't I don't have his numbers in front of me, but you know, when he when he puts up, you know, 23, 12, and seven, you're not surprised. Like that's kind of what he does now. Yeah, I mean, his
1: numbers for the year, 21 points a game, nine rebounds a game, over five assists per game, shooting in the mid-50s from the field. I mean, obviously, he's a bit of a limitation defensively, bit of a limitation from a shooting perspective, right? Jackson drops in at 30, 13, and five last night against Golden State. He is a yeah, terrific huge clutch player. shot the
2: previous night. They lost to the Lakers, but he had the go-ahead bucket where he muscled LeBron like— yeah, if you're doing that at age 21, you, you got something. That was yeah. that was
0: a int- that bucket was like muscle and finesse. Mm-hmm. It was like actually both because of the the move that he made and the angle of the shot, it was actually pretty damn impressive.
1: Arguably yeah. got fouled on the play too. I mean, it, it was a heck of a it was a heck of a play going through LeBron like that. But I think to Isaac's point, if you're looking at the Rockets long term, and as you as you like to point out, off at Big Ben, we're now in phase two, right? If you're looking at sort of championship, upside with this group if for as good as Shangoon is if he's your best player it, it's gonna it's kind of hard to see a path to being a championship level team for as mm-hmm. good as he is and that's where to me the real interesting guy for them is amin thompson who has barely played obviously is, is, as isaac mentioned earlier has his ankle injury has missed a while we'll see when he gets back but in the brief flashes we saw in summer league he is an incredibly high ceiling guy and if he's able to get anywhere close to that ceiling as a six, seven guy who can handle the ball and guard and do a lot of stuff. That's the kind of guy where if it clicks right, he could be the kind of talent that is the number one guy. And if that happens, to your number two guy, then I think you're, you really got something cooking in terms of super high upside, long-term.
0: Isaac, be honest though. When you heard Dylan Brooks, four years, 86 million, <laughs> I want to know your honest reaction when you heard that last July. Uh, I was not happy.
1: <laughs> i can confirm
3: yeah <laughs> i, I mean confirm. i also didn't think he would have a great shooting in international ball over the summer mm-hmm. and then start the season with such great shooting i mean if he keeps shooting anywhere near this that contract seems fine but no i was not pleased when i heard it also he's not the most fun player to root for let's put it that way
0: really because yeah. this is about as good as it's going to get i mean if you're not rooting for him now i, I mean i guess in the playoffs maybe but you know, you know he was if fun
3: he was fun for Grizzlies
2: fans to root for until he wasn't at the end there. Um, and boy, he had some nice things to say about the Grizzlies. My man, Jonathan Fagman, the Houston Chronicle, does a story on him. Well, they're uh,
0: playing for the first time on Wednesday night.
2: Yes. So go and ahead. so uh, Dylan, the villain, uh, he, had, he just got that nickname put on him. He's never really embraced it. Anyways, he says, referring to himself, it's like the girlfriend that you used to have. You don't know how good she is until she's gone. I don't worry about the past. I'm here building the future with these guys. I'm here for another three years after the season and then some. I want the Rockets to get back to the playoffs and the Rockets to be one of the best teams. But then he talks about the Grizzlies, which, hey, he ain't wrong about them missing him, by the way. He's not wrong about them missing his toughness. He's not wrong about them missing his defense and, for better or worse, his leadership and his swagger. And I quote, you can see now they have no swagger. We have swagger. Ooh. We have an identity we're building each and every game. We want to show it more and more, blah, blah, blah. But again, the money quote there, you can see now they have no swagger. Sometimes old Dylan's swagger becomes a little bit strong. It's like cologne, you know, a little bit, you know, but too much is, is, is. <laughs> well, hey man, putting. it's like
0: perfume because he's, 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 oh yeah. In this analogy, he, he's calling himself the, the girlfriend.
2: Well, and he, he's, he's saying, he's, I'm oh, the girl like who that, got away. He's like that girlfriend who he's not wrong. You have a lot of fun with him, but you, you maybe going, not the man, one you want are to you marry there's, elaborate, uh, Yeah, you, you, light, there's light, a lot of uh, ways you can go with that analogy. But listen, his point about his swagger, his toughness, his defense, the way he sets a tone is absolutely helped the Rockets. And the Grizzlies have desperately missed it. They tried for two years to replace him and failed. And the Rockets. It's early in that 86 million dollar deal, but he's been exactly what they want. And you know, he shot. He took 21 shots the other night against the the Lakers. That's a bit concerning. Um, now, a lot of those are dare you to shoot them type of looks that you have to take. Uh, he did have a pull up three with kind of the it wasn't the, the the game was not decided. He had a crazy pull up three last night that he bricked, and that's definitely the kind of shots the Grizzlies would be like. Oh my gosh, is his defense worth it? Um, but, man, he is accepted, seems to have accepted the fourth or fifth option role in Houston that he would grumble about with the Grizzlies. And if he's, if he's that and one of the best wing defenders in the league, maybe his contract's not that bad.
0: Isaac, uh, how do you feel about your new head coach, Emeidoka, and what he's been doing to the team? There's no doubt their, defense, their defensive improvement has been very palpable.
3: Yeah, I mean, it seems a little bit like a sort of maybe a Thibodeau situation where if you have a coach come in and preach defense, you can win a lot of regular season games in the NBA because, you know, just giving that effort. Um, I, I I don't sort of know strategically what, if what he's doing, how smart it is or isn't, I don't have a strong sense of that yet, but just getting these guys to play hard, which they had not been playing hard the previous three seasons um, is a tremendous improvement. And you just see them play very hard on defense every night. And to sort of have this level of defense, which I do think to some degree is legit. The offense we'll see, with Shingun, who's been a little better, and Jalen Green and your starting lineup, I think is, is quite impressive.
2: Yeah, well, also, like I, I hate that Steven Silas has taken a lot of strays here. Uh, not necessarily with us, but just in general. And did it go well for Steven Silas in Houston? Obviously not. I would like to point out, Ime Udoka's proved himself that during his year in Boston. He's a heck of a head coach he has Fred Van Vliet starting to point guard. Steven Siles had Kevin Porter Jr. That might have something to do with the team's focus and discipline and maturity. And we can go on down the, uh, down the line. And he's got Dylan but, Brooks on the wing. Right. I was going to say, listen, that's why they went out and got Van Vliet. That's why they went out and got Dylan Brooks. because uh, Jeff
0: Green on the bench.
2: It. Right. They wanted these tone setters. They wanted Van Vliet's more of a, a like a vocal leader and organizer and Dylan's kind of, a uh, some some chaos that that you like when it's controlled, Um and then Jeff Green's just you know a, a, an old head on the bench. But it's a like the roster changes they made gave Ime a chance to come in and have this kind of early impact.
0: Isaac, do you wade into Rockets Twitter and like Rockets Reddit or Rockets message boards? I don't you really. That-
3: I've sort of stopped. I haven't in a while. Uh, like you know, three <laughs> four days. Uh, yeah. Starting anew just now.
0: I just I just, uh, just want to know, like, if the Rockets, are they like, are the Rockets fans like we've arrived or are they being measured, like accepting that being 500 after 12 games is actually awesome considering where they were for, in the desert the last few years?
3: This is why I didn't go check when we were six and three because I would have gotten <laughs> my hopes too
0: high. But I imagine <laughs> it's a little more measured now. Because, well, you change- know, I, I, I've heard about some, some chest beating. You know, there's some people who believe that the Rockets. Are- it,
2: it happens every once in a while. It happens. Uh, I, I will say this. The people I've talked to in Houston, I think there's a pretty reasonable big picture approach and an understanding that nine games does not a phase two make, right? Or and now 12 games. They've lost the last three, but you mentioned six and three. Um, and the desire to see consistency especially from Shingoon, because he's been awesome. Like, he's playing at an all-star level. Can he sustain that? And then, you know, I mean, we have talked a lot about, like, the the young guys will determine the ceiling. Shingoon could not be going any better. Jabari Smith Jr., I think he's really had an encouraging start to his second year building off of what he did during his brief stint in summer league. But he's, you, you look
0: he's, at him... He's been fine. I mean, he's averaging... Not that averages are everything, but he's averaging 13.7 rebounds and he's shooting 48%. He shot the ball very poorly coming into his out of his early in his rookie year. He's also shooting 38% on threes, and he's had a number of very strong, solid performances. I don't he's think a, he's like, oh man, this guy's gonna be an all-star by year three, but yeah, he's helping them. He's doing well.
2: Well, and and he's a really good young defensive player. Like the The optimistic projection for him is Rashard Lewis with all defensive potential, which would would be an all-star type of player. We'll see. Uh, Amon Thompson, like you can see his his twin brother, what he's doing, and say, man, (laughs) they're really athletic. But unfortunately, he's got a a grade two ankle sprain. He's not going to be back. It's it's still weeks, probably not days. Um, And then Jalen Green, like I said, it's – for a number two overall pick, you would hope that he would be further along than he is. And I don't know that you can comfortably project him as a centerpiece to a contender. I, I, I think that would be a stretch.
0: Yeah. By the way, last year in his first um, his first few weeks, uh, Jabari shot under 40%. He ended up getting that up, getting those percentages up. But he started out poorly last year, much better. This year, Isaac, is there like a call for Cam Whitmore? There was, I think there was a lot of excitement about Cam Whitmore. They've been winning. There's a lot of excitement about Cam Whitmore as, you know, a draft night steal because he was so good in summer league. Is there, you know, are you pining for Cam Whitmore minutes that he's actually not been getting so far?
3: I'm not. I mean, it's a strange thing, though, be- with a young team like this, where, you know, when you start playing well, you kind of want Fred Van Vliet and Dylan Brooks to be playing 40 minutes a game so you can keep stealing wins. And then you think, oh, is this, you know, taking minutes from other guys? But um, I think I-, I think in the long run, it would be nice to see those guys play more.
2: Listen, if you want to see Cam Whitmore play and you're in Houston, just hop in the car, head south. He's going to be getting some minutes with the Rio Grande Valley. Way south. Way Vipers. south. Yeah, he's... he's <laughs> He's played a little bit there. I'm in the sticks so of the uh <laughs> trying to look up his, his G League numbers on my cell phone, and, and it's, it's you're the
0: only person in Socrates looking up G League stats right now. Hey, Isaac, <laughs> do you want to fire off any like hot take predictions before? Well, Isaac us, watches
1: more basketball than just about anybody who isn't employed watching basketball. I can tell you that, so he's got to right,
3: have well, takes. Uh, I, I don't have band outside I, the Rockets. I don't have any particular hot takes. The one thing I would say is after listening to every NBA podcast preseason <laughs> and hearing from all of them how phenomenal the Western Conference is, I think that uh, the West and East will basically have even overall records this year mm. and the West will turn out to have been vastly overrated.
2: That's interesting. That's- I actually had a conversation with a uh, an executive for a West team the other day and he asked me, he said, is the West as good as people thought it was? And and his contention was it's not. So that's been ISIS contention since September. So I'm giving right. full credit so, for that one. Yeah. And and you know, I would say the the Dylan Brooks Grizzlies have something to do with that. <laughs> Certainly nobody well, yeah. I do think the 10. middle
0: class in the NBA right now is very bloated. I don't think there's many great teams by what historic great team standards are. And we have a couple of real dregs, but like there's not like six teams that are awful. Like there's mm-hmm. most games are pretty highly competitive and we actually are getting excellent play overall, but it's actually kind of trended more towards the NFL. And I think by the end of the season, there's going to be a whole bunch of teams hovering around 41 to 44 wins that are hard to discern from each other, but they can beat each other on any night. And then you could see a team like the heat thing. That's kind of what happened with the heat. Last year, and they put he it all together the Lakers came. That's right, came bolting out of the pack. Although the Lakers' talent level was pretty was higher than their than their, than well, their right. record it was, because it was, it was top six the in the West after the effect. trade deadline. <laughs> Without question, <laughs> to change to change gears to change hey, gears a little on. bit. Hold on. What do you
2: the, got? What do you got? The Wi-Fi or the uh, wireless came through. We oh, have the Cam Whitmore stats. Okay. 24.3 points, 49% from the floor, 48-plus percent from three-point range, six assists, four or six rebounds, four assists. Cam Whitmore, lighten it up with the Vipers in a few games.
1: had a really big dunk the other day, too. Really big dunk. He's good for one of those a game. I was going to say to change way, gears a little bit.
0: Yeah, go ahead.
1: Isaac, I got to know Isaac a couple of years ago when he was writing a big story on Rich Paul for the New Yorker. Uh, he doesn't just do Q and A's as we started off with. We just had Rich Paul on the pod recently, or Brian did booted us off. Talked mm-hmm. to Rich one on one. I was just curious, Isaac, what did you learn about Rich? Because you spent a long time in and around sort of his circle and getting a sense of of him that I think even you know, outside of people who've been around him for really going back to the very beginning, you've probably been around him as much as anybody to work on a story like that.
3: You know, um, I I probably don't have as much insight on this as Brian, but um, he's just an immensely interesting figure. And um, the success he's had with Clutch Sports, his list of clients now is pretty astonishing. Um, and so to learn about him and his backstory and his relationship with LeBron was amazing. The one funny thing I'll say about that story was um, Rich Paul, I think, is, is now... Uh, Maybe most famous for, at least with the general public, for dating Adele. And um, this
0: is a spectacular. Please, I want, I want all of
3: this information. It's
1: definitely most most noteworthy among uh, my wife and and my wife's friends. That's the only. Whenever he comes up, (laughs) that's all they want to know about. Did 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 did, did Adele come up?
3: Well, so Adele did come up, but uh, she's not in the story. And the reason for that is I was um, I couldn't break the story, which came out I think a month or two after the profile came out. Just, I was hanging out with Paul, um, reporting on him at his house in Beverly Hills, and he was there with me and um, Adam Jendelson. Brian, how would you describe who Adam Jendelson is? Adam Jendelson Adam 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 is a uh, is a, uh, <laughs> chief of staff in Washington. I'm getting my world, words. Well, mixed up here. Adam Mendelssohn
0: used to be a political guy. He used to be one of uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger's top right. advisors when he was a governor of California. Adam Mendelssohn is breaking the wall here a little bit adam mendelson is like a media strategist to the stars Mm okay um and particularly media star i was typically uh sports people and he he had he has advised a bunch of high profile nba stars and owners over the years most notably Um, lebron lebron was his yes but he's he he currently represents a number of very high profile nba people and, and handles their media strategy
3: Anyway, we're, we're in the house with Adam and rich kind of, this is all on the record. Rich kind of, uh, turns to Adam and he says, uh, Adele was here last night hanging out. And Adam says for three
0: like, hours, right? Doesn't he say for three hours? Isn't that what you quoted him saying?
3: I can't, well, I can't remember. Cause in the piece we just said, he referred to a pop star and, um, you, you said know, an A list pop star. An A list pop star. Thank you. You're yeah. a better reader of my own work than I am. He <laughs> uh, says an A list pop star. And Adam sort of starts kidding with him about this. And I couldn't tell if they were saying this for my benefit or what was going on, you know. And, but it seemed like, you know, there was something going on with him and Adele. And even though he told us this on the record, we couldn't get in touch with her people to confirm this. And so we weren't going
4: ah.
3: we to put this in the magazine saying that. You know Adele had been over hanging out at Rich Paul's house. If she wouldn't confirm it, so we just had to go with a list pop star. And then right after the piece came out, it was um, revealed that they were and still are a couple. Um, so... Oh,
0: he, here's what happened. So Isaac, this was far and away the most fascinating detail for me of the piece. Okay. No offense and... taken, by the way, about that, but go on. <laughs> well, you know, I, I I I know Rich, so some of it was, you know, I knew already, but I, this was brand new breaking news to me so of course i instantly made it my business to find out who this a-list pop star was (laughs) and you know i found out but you know again i can't confirm it or whatever and then he shows up with her at a finals game in phoenix and people were like oh look adele is sitting with lebron like that was like a, a big thing and i was like no dudes Adele is sitting with Rich. So I go to the post-game podcast I do with Zach Lowe after, after the finals. And, like, I was in Vegas with uh, Team USA. I wasn't at the finals. And I was like, I can't believe that Rich is going public with Adele. I'm, like, saying this on the podcast. I'm like, you know, I think Rich is dating Adele. Like, it, I mean, I am genuinely, like, amazed that it got to the point where they came out in public. And the next day I'm in page six. <laughs> um, because I've just outed that this relationship is happening. I, dis, I wasn't like, you know, quote unquote, reporting it, but I was just genuine. I was genuinely amazed. It was like my biggest takeaway from the game. And Rich texted me just laughing. I mean, he obviously knew he wasn't going to show up and not be connected. Obviously, they made the decision to kind of go public. And I just, I was like, Rich, I cannot believe little Richie. They used to, you know, this isn't in Rich's book. They used to call him little Richie. That little Richie Paul was dating Adele. That was how many years ago? That was three years ago, Isaac, and I still remain flabbergasted by. It. He doesn't like to talk about it uh, publicly. I still remain flabbergasted by it. And you know, my favorite English soccer team is Tottenham Hotspur, and Adele is from Tottenham. One of their most famous fans like sings their theme songs like on Instagram and stuff, and like. Like Rich and I will be talking about stuff and like we'll bring up English soccer and I'll, I'll mention something about Tottenham. He's like, Oh yeah. You know, that's a, Adele loves Tottenham. And I go, yeah, Rich, I know the world knows. He's like, Oh yeah. My girlfriend's a Tottenham fan as he talks about it as if like, you know, it's just, you know, like McMahon saying his high school girlfriend likes Arsenal. Anyway, I probably said too much. Okay. Thank you, Isaac. We enjoyed having you on. Uh, When the Rockets are making run to the finals, we'll have you back. Uh, Thanks, guys. It was fun.
2: Yeah, that's phase three. We'll have you back for phase
0: three. McMahon is closely monitoring the phase development. All right. Thank you. Adios, amigo. (laughs) (laughs) Please do that after every one.
2: I will. More Hoop Collective podcast after this.
0: All right. Now joining us from San Antonio, Texas, where he saw the Clippers deal San Antonio, its latest lopsided loss um, uh, on Monday night is Andrew Lopez.
5: At least the uh, the Spurs didn't have a lead and then lose it this time. That That, that was the case for a few games in a row. But, they tr- but yeah, they tried a different strategy. They um, we talked about
2: last time, one and six with those ten point leads. So they're like, we're not going to get a ten point lead in this one, and they, it
5: still didn't work. They they have more wins this year without a ten point lead than than with a ten point <laughs> lead.
0: <laughs> I'm not accusing the Spurs of not prioritizing winning, mm. Andrew. I'm going to say that again. I'm not accusing the Spurs of not prioritizing winning. Having said that, you could present a case.
2: That uh, I'm accusing winning. them of not. Yeah, <laughs> hold on. I'm accusing them of not prioritizing winning. I won't say that four-letter T-word, but they're not prioritizing winning. I mean, Pop has admitted that publicly. This is the the the
5: experiment year. Well, he he did say that was the the shift was going to be more to winning this year. That they wanted to start the growth. I don't know. Uh, go back to this phases, phase and rockets, one, man. Yeah, phase phases one. and rockets and all that stuff about that a couple of times after games that you know you, you would see these losses and you would think oh here comes an angry coach and he's you know we played a championship caliber team but this team has two all-stars we're still growing we're still trying to put things together but they are they're clearly experimenting and trying different things as we have seen with Point Sohan and and other experiments but I, I mean this team is not going to win a championship this year i don't i don't think me saying that is any shock or surprise to anyone so you might as well try to figure out what the I think the, the the best possible lineups you have around your uh, seven foot four superstar are
0: first road victory for the Clippers this year in that game, by the way. Um, <laughs> we we talked about um the about Wembanyama significantly in our last podcast. I do want to ask you about the Pelicans, but let me ask you this. How's Victor handling getting his you know head knocked around repeatedly? Now nine straight times and counting. How is his mood and has in his uh, his reaction been as he's taking these losses?
5: You no, know, it's it's obviously something different for him. It's not something that he is uh, he is used to. We did uh, talk to him. I think it was. Not last night, it might have been either Friday or probably Saturday's game. And we, I think this is eight straight. Like, what's the locker room like? Especially the way you're losing games. It's not you're just getting blown out 20, 30 points every night. It's you're up by 18, you're up by 15, you're up by 19, and then you're losing these bleeds. And he's still very much saying all the same, you know, all the right things. And it's it's tough because, I mean, the majority of the time when we're talking to him, it's been after losses. Uh, so it's it's kind of hard to, to really judge. But I mean, that being said, he has been upbeat the practices are still upbeat the shoot-arounds are still upbeat i mean this is still a team very much that understands this is a a growth year despite the 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 small focus of that they wanted to have on look we're going to try to to start winning games and doing all this but um they they understand that this is all a process and you know it's it's very much going to be uh you know baby steps for this guy for these guys
2: yeah and like they're not trying to win the the Sohan, I get again, we've talked about this a lot. I get the experiment, but it's not an attempt to win now. If you wanted to win now, you'd start Trey Jones and he'd be playing 34 minutes a night. You know, he'd be he'd be paired with Wimby, like they'd be connected yeah. in the substitution pattern. So that's why they're they're clearly not prioritizing winning. Um, and I understand the reasons for the experiment, but like winning's not important for them this year. Or, th- or they wouldn't be doing that.
0: <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Sorry. You know, uh,
4: That's- <laughs> enough on the
0: Spurs. I want to talk about the Pelicans real quick, Andrew. You, you recently left New Orleans, but obviously you keep a close watch on them. They've been kind of a wild team to watch. They've had some excellent performances. Mm-hmm. They've had some absolute dog performances. Yep. Zion has looked total full Zion. Had nights where he's gone 12 or 15 from the field with, 13 rebounds and been full Zion. He said stretches where his shooting. In fact, in general, his shooting has dropped where his shooting has fallen off the cliff. Of course, because they're the Pelicans, their injuries, they've got all kinds of injuries Mm -hmm. and injuries on top of injuries. The injury report is paragraphs long every day. Right now, CJ McCollum is out coming back from a collapsed lung. Um, Trey Murphy, their most important outside shooter hasn't played all year. I think uh, Herb Jones has missed games. Zion's missed games. Brandon Ingram has missed games. Uh, Jose Alvarado finally made his season debut. He's been out for like six or seven months. I don't know. Felt like that long. Mm -hmm. Was that was how long was Alvarado out?
5: Uh, Eight months, 24 days. If you go by Jose Alvarado's Instagram post a a few, uh, a little bit ago, because he had the and it was multiple injuries. He had the the small fracture in his leg that held him out of the last end of last season. Uh, which also held him out of World Cup. Then he was working his way back and had a very a, a badly sprained ankle um, right before training camp. I think it was like off-season workouts that, has, that was the one that kind of kept him out. And then he had a small setback during that. The other injuries are getting better, though. Uh, Larry Nance practiced today. He had missed some time.
0: Oh, yeah, Larry Nance.
5: Missed three games. The good thing about Zion is he hasn't missed a game because of injury. Missed two for back-to-back rest and then one for personal reasons. Um, so he hasn't hasn't missed one for injury yet. I think Brandon missed three games, um, obviously. Uh, CJ also went through a full practice today, or, or went through full work. Today. He hasn't been cleared uh, by his pulmonologist, uh, he told reporters. Um, so he can't, you know, there's no timetable yet, but he is at least, you know, back and doing things from his punctured lung, uh, or collapsed lung, I should say. And then uh, we, we do have Trey Murphy should, uh, let's see, November 21st. I guess we're in that 10 to 12, though, now for when he should be able to make a return. So hopefully the team is, is getting healthy. But of course, then they, they lose Matt Ryan for 10 to 14 days, who has been a very important well, part. Yes. So something's always so, happening with this team.
0: Right. I mean, it's crazy. Their injury report is crazy. I just will say there's been a couple of bright spots. Matt Ryan, who they signed away from the Lakers. I don't know if the Lakers were, I mean, Lakers, I don't know. But I thought it was on the Falcons. He, he was on the Falcons. It's the, it's the, the exact eyes. same guy. It's the exact same guy. <laughs> Good job, McMahon. Um, he's actually shot the heck out of the ball. He's shooting like over 45% on mm. threes. He's he's basically helped to win him a couple of games, but now he's out. Um, Jordan Hawkins, their rookie out of Connecticut, yeah. has also shot the ball very well uh, relative to rookie. You know, He's not shooting 50%, but he's he's made some threes when they've needed it. And uh, Dyson Daniels, second-year former lottery Mm -hmm. pick, the Australian, has played a lot of minutes in the wake of C.J. McCollum's injury and has been very good defensively. So this is – talk about a mixed bag, Andrew. Like, you can, there's something for everybody with this.
2: Let's focus on Zion, though. Zion is averaging 22.2 per game, which would be a career low for him. His field goal percentage is 54.4%, which – for human beings is good. For Zion, it's his career low by far.
0: Yeah, but, uh, but it was like at 50%, like 10 days ago. Like he's right. been getting better.
2: Career low and rebounds so far at, at six per game. Not that he's ever been a a huge rebounder, but like doesn't look that same level of just like, oh my God, we've never seen anything like this before explosive. And then he's played well in his last three games. Uh, they won all three of them last night they blew the kings out sacramento so, I was on a back to back and they just like wiped the floor with them but before that andrew he had that uh, the the money quote that that yep. blew up was when he said i'm trying i'm really trying to buy in or something along those lines as a, as a as an experienced zion observer what did you make of that and kind of
5: the way things have gone for him so far this season the the back seat comment. That was that was the next part of that. I'm trying to buy in, I'm taking a back seat. And it was it was hard to see exactly where he was taking a backseat when you looked at the numbers, because at that time the shots per game were the same, the usage was the same, the assists were like the only thing that had changed was the Pelican into Brandon Ingram being the point guard, uh, or Dyson being the point guard in, in certain lineups, and Z just doesn't bring the ball up as much. That's the only really thing he has been doing. Since then, though. You've seen the uptick in the numbers. I think right when he said that, as as Brian pointed out, that's when his shooting percentage was fifty mm-hmm. percent. And it's like that doesn't make sense for he had a couple of six for twenty games. We just didn't look right. Since then, he has, especially in these last three, especially uh, I think it was the first half of the, I guess it was the first half of the Denver game, and then really in the like, that was one of his twenty point halves, or maybe it was a Dallas game. Last night against the Kings, he looked fantastic. He looked. Like, you know, he's back to just, oh, he can make layups from anywhere and you're fine. Okay, cool. He's 12 for 15 or whatever he was. That's the guy that you you need. And I think they have been spending a lot of time post-practice between Zion, Brandon, with James Borrego, essentially through the offense and getting them in a spot where, where both of those guys need to be. I think there was a video today. I think Herb was, was even part of it today. They're still trying to figure each other out. And I think um, you did have a guy. I mean- Z is not a, a big guy who is going to play during the summer. That's just this who he is. He'll work out. He'll do that kind of stuff. But he, he's tried to walk back those comments a little bit. But I think what you're seeing is uh, they're trying to figure out what is the best thing. And I think James Borrego has played a big role in that so far. James Borrego, in, they
0: brought in in the offseason has, has, to be associate head coach, offensive coordinator.
5: So he's the one basically kind of running these post-practice sessions with Brandon and, and, and Zion so far. So they are figuring each other out. And I think it helps that. I mean, for a while when, when Brandon when when Z made that comment, you were missing CJ, you were missing Larry Nance, you were missing Trey Murphy, uh Jose hadn't played yet. I think that was Najee's first game back. Herb was missing for that game. So you had stretches where Z was on the floor for long. Sh- and it's kind of funny because it's like the the opposite of what had, had been happening, where you know the, the everybody on the team had to learn how to play without Z for stretches. Well, now you have to learn how to play with everybody else. And so Zion's figuring all that out. And I think after that comment, it. Everybody is kind of getting gotten back on the same page a little bit. Had three very impressive wins since that against Dallas, Minnesota, uh, Dallas, Denver, uh, and then Sacramento. The loss to Minnesota, a last second loss. The Z didn't play that game. So things look to be back on the right track. The the starting lineup in, in the last few games, Dyson, Herb, and then Zion Jonas Valentunis, which you would think, oh, there's no way that shooting works, uh, has been plus 37 in 42 minutes. They have a net rating of like plus 42. Uh, over the last few games. So, things are trending in the right direction as for once it seems like the Pelicans are getting healthier.
0: Bon Temps, you have anything to say about the New Orleans Pelicans?
6: I would like
1: to ask Jackson um or not Jackson. I'd like to ask Andrew, sorry. Uh what um what are the chances that when C J McCollum's healthy he's coming off the bench and they stick with the starting lineup with dyson Daniels starting cuz this lineup has been really good and they've really gotten on a roll and Do they potentially consider trying to do that, or is that not a tenable thing for them to try to do?
5: I think it's something they have to at least explore. Um, I don't know if they necessarily stick with it. It also could depend on what restrictions CJ has when he comes back. I mean, this is obviously a, a sensitive issue. This is not the second time he's had to deal with this collapsed lung. You know, he, he like I said, he said today his his pulmonologist is the one who's kind of like, hey, we're let, 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 mm-hmm. let's wait before you get back on the floor. But I think it's something they need to explore. But knowing that you have options out there where, where Dyson is taking the step that you hope maybe he was going to be as a rookie and now he is is taking a step up is, is definitely good for your defense, especially if if he's going to shoot the way he has. He's obviously I think you would like to see him in Herb's numbers be a little bit better. But I, I think it's something you have to at least consider. Uh, If you're the Pelicans. I
2: think that's a good question for another ESPN hoops pod.
0: It sort of (laughs) sums up the new Orleans Pelicans that they are having to check in with a team pulmonologist. Uh, How many pulmonologists? (laughs) I mean, I guess there's some players with asthma, but geez. All right, Andrew, thank you for uh, your intrepid uh, viewpoint on the two teams and maybe get to write about a Spurs win sometime between now and Christmas. Uh, We'll see. All right. Be well. Thank you very much. Enjoy Adios, Thanksgiving. Amigo. The next Pretty amigo fella. up is joining us from Los Angeles, California. I know. I think. I think he's in Los Angeles. Yeah, of course. He's got his shoes. Oh, in the oh, look back at all right those
2: there. shoes. I'm trying to figure out what all we got back here. I see a bunch of Jordan Elevens. I see some Fives. What else we got back there?
0: Okay. We must be talking about Om Young Masuk. What's up, Om?
7: What's up, guys? How's uh How's your holiday week? Has it started yet? Has anybody had to travel? Oh yeah, I'm 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 up in the sticks in New York. Uh,
0: yes. God. We're He's all like traveling
2: Saugerties
1: today. Home. You're one of the few people that's going to come on the spot that knows where Socrates is, I would assume.
2: <laughs> that's out there. Yeah, yeah I'm, up, I'm by Woodstock. You know, peace and love, baby. But you didn't <laughs> have any travel issues yesterday. <laughs> eh, LaGuardia is a nightmare, but well,
7: yeah, it was fine.
2: I was on a flight with the Baylor men's basketball team and felt bad for some of their big fellas because they were back there in coach. Shout out to uh, to Scott Drew, though. He was back in coach with him, and he did not take one wait, of those. Tim
7: McMahon and Wifey were in first class while Baylor
2: men's no, no, basketball
7: no. was in the back?
4: Uh, w-
2: wifey was already here. I was joining him. I was not in first class, but I was in exit row, and I did not feel bad enough to give up my exit row seat to anybody.
0: <laughs> we'll have to talk to our guy, King McClure, about that. He wins a national championship, and you know he's in uh, you know, row 27C. Uh, what are you going to do? <laughs> Did Kim Mulkey fly uh, uh, in the back when she was coaching at Baylor? I suspect that's she I did not,
7: know. but I don't know. Hmm. Uh, uh, McMahon would have had news to write if uh, he was on with the uh, LSU women's basketball team and Angel Ooh. Reese was on that plane. Okay. Uh, we talk about the NBA.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's right. No more uh, travel Twitter or uh, travel uh, podcast. All right. um, the LA Clippers are red hot, baby. Red mm. hot. Everything's fine. Harden scored like 12 points against the Spurs. Everything's fine, right? No worries. Don't even bother Russ, Russ,
2: right? Russ, right back in
7: six-man-of-the-year contention.
0: Uh, Look, I mean... um, Russ and CP3 gunning for six-man-of-the-year.
7: It is crazy because I would say it felt very much like last year when they had lost five straight and the Memphis Grizzlies came to town, no John Morant, and um, were just crushing them for three quarters and it looked like the Clippers were on the verge of losing six straight. And then Paul George and Kawhi Leonard take over the fourth quarter win and they kind of halt this ridiculous losing streak and everything felt like it was really kind of falling on them. And then fast forward to this year, they had lost six straight five with James Harden on the floor, despite the fact that Memphis tried to do the same thing and give them a win again. Um, and they weren't able to pull it out. And then you got, you know, basically on the morning of a game, Russell Westbrook news comes out that Russell Westbrook had approached Ty and basically said, "I'll come off the bench. I'll do whatever I can to help this team win." Just like um, he
0: approached Darvin Ham last year.
7: Yeah, man. Russ, I don't. Is, I you don't what. think Russ is. Uh, you know, look. I, I was with Russ the night before at a community event, which there were no basketball questions allowed. And I, he was in a good mood. I mean, he didn't seem like you know, he didn't seem pissed off about anything, but like. That night after they won, Russ did not talk to the media. He did say on his way out, he, he, the whole entire season, actually, he has been the first one out of the locker room. He gets stressed very fast. And while Ty Lu is talking, uh, or if another player like Kawhi, surprisingly, will come in right after Ty, Russ is out. Now, Russ, like, if you if you stop him in the locker room, he'll stop and talk for the most part, but... The locker room's not even open when he leaves. And in this case, on this night, he left as the locker room was opening up and said that he had his, his kid's birthday to get to. I think it was his daughter or something like that. So he did talk last night and didn't say much. I can't imagine him being thrilled about this move. If you talk about like from the from the season opener where he But they
0: started winning when as soon as they did it. I mean, yes.
7: I mean, the season over, you you couldn't contain his joy. I mean, it was like mm -hmm. you you smiling. He was happy. He was leading and all this stuff. And now he's coming off the bench and he's been the one that's had to probably adapt the most to everybody um, when it comes to all this stuff. But last night looked better. He did the first game. He played like 17 minutes last game. Of course, it was the Spurs. Spurs played horrible, but Russ did look a little bit better. Um, But no, he doesn't look comfortable at all. Not not at all.
0: In all honesty, like. I turned positive on the clippers that game in Denver last week, where yeah, they started, they started re- to re- show they sh- signs. yeah, they started to reduce his playing time is what they did
2: well, yeah. yeah, and that's the thing. It's not just that he's not starting, he's not closing he's not and he's not even come close to closing to- like like he's not you know he's not this six man who like the six men of the year candidates end up playing like what twenty eight thirty minutes per game, sometimes even more. Russ is not going to play that many minutes.
7: Yeah, I mean, you can make the argument that maybe the who's more the sixth man for the team is Norman Powell, not mm-hmm. Russ. Russ yeah. might have the title in, you know, basically in, in honor, like the honor of it. But like basically the guy who plays more like the sixth man and is being used more like six is more. He
0: could win seventh man of the year. Good new award. I mean, look, I still
7: think I still think that Russ brings things that they are going to need, which is the energy, the hustle. They just don't have the juice on every night. They're an older team. He kind of brings that the pace of being able to run. They're going to need that on certain nights. If you remember last year, and granted it was when there was no Paul George, but in that game one, he shot three for 18, but he made all these winning plays at the end where he got this huge offensive rebound. He made this huge defensive stop on Devin Booker, all these hustle plays. Those are things they're going to need. But, you know, when he, when they need to spread the floor, they go to Harden and they take Westbrook out. And when they go small, They put Norman Powell in and P.J. Tucker and things like that. And there's just no place for Russ right now, I think, especially when it comes to finishing. What you saw last night, though, I really like a couple of things I saw. Harden and Kawhi look like they're developing a little bit of a chemistry now, a two-man game, which is what you kind of wanted because they had to split the four. When they stagger the four minutes, they split Paul and Russ up because Russ and Paul have this chemistry together. Paul looks very comfortable with Russ. um, And then Harden and Kawhi. And maybe it was at first they thought, well, let's try pick and rolls because, you know, Harden's an elite pick and roll guy. And maybe we can get Kawhi rolling into his mid-range spots. But Kawhi's not like that. He doesn't feel comfortable doing that. he he rather catch the ball, dribble, dribble, get to his spots and score. So then what you're seeing now is Harden passes to Kawhi. Kawhi backs in, doesn't have something. Kawhi passes back out to Harden. Harden gives it right back to him. It's almost like this, like, small man, big man game. And then it's starting to work. If you saw the other night when James hit that four point play. It was Kawhi. The play was designed for Kawhi. Kawhi didn't have a shot on the corner. He passed it right back to Harden. Harden hits the four point play. Who was the most excited guy on the floor when he hit the shot? Kawhi Leonard showing rare emotion. So oh, I think I, thought, I was going to say, not Russ. <laughs> I think these two are starting to develop a chemistry. And I think Kawhi can see, like, you know, this is another dude out here who can create his own shot, who can score from the outside, who can get me the ball. I think Kawhi likes that because it looks I, like they have another elite scorer out there.
2: I, I don't think he's an elite scorer anymore. I don't think he's – I He I doesn't know. need
7: he, to be an elite scorer for 48 minutes, Tim. He just needs to be an elite scorer. He, he only needs to score to like 15 points or 20 points. When my, all my, three are scoring and it comes in different junctures, that's what it needs to be. It just needs to be like he takes over his mismatches. I I just don't
2: think Harden is the guy who can torch teams off the dribble anymore. He's not – and I know he hit the four-point play and it's a step back. Harden is – it's funny because, you know, Harden is a guy who wasn't a point guard until Mike D'Antoni said, hey, now you are. And then he leads the league in scoring a few times. But Harden at this point in his career, among starting point guards in the league, is probably – aside from
8: Tyrese Halliburton.
2: I was going to say, probably the best table setter. He's no longer an elite scorer. Yeah. And like, he's no longer like a miss.
7: He only has to be in to spurts.
0: Well, along pass. those lines, this so far this year is Harden's lowest usage rate since he was a six man. And he's averaging half as many assists as he did last year. His minutes are down too. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I am actually cold, softly bullish on the Clippers since they made the rough decision. Um,
2: That's about as strong as a a prediction as you get from (laughs) Wendy softly
7: bullish.
0: How is Harden handling this changed role so far?
7: Harden's very happy from everything I get from people around him and him himself. Um, I think, you know, look, he's starting now, he's finishing games. He's on a new team. I think he's, I think each game you see him progressively learning where these guys want the ball. I think he's getting more comfortable uh, trying different bounce passes, working with the Vita Zubots, who, by the way, you know, Nikola Jokic, I asked Nikola Jokic the other night when I was in Denver, how, how do you see Harden making these guys better? And he, he said, well, first of all, I think the guy that's going to be a factor is Vita Zubots. And then he went into like, all these stars are going to have to use pick and roll and they're going to want to give up the ball because of so much attention they get. He goes, but you know what, And wait, I'm not going to give, them any ideas. It's not my job to basically help them figure it out. It's Ty Lue's job. So, uh, but you know, I but think that's, joke, Harden, that's Joker lobbying for his Balkan brother, too. <laughs> yeah. I think, uh, you know, you see Harden starting to work a connection with those guys. Um, defensively, they've been like. There's a lot of steals. I don't think they're necessarily getting a lot of stops. Like the other night, Houston got to the rim whenever Houston wanted to. But defensively, they're getting a lot of deflections and stops and starting to get on the run a little bit. And that's where you see Harden's playmaking, that when he's on a fast break, he'll find Paul George. He'll find Kawhi Leonard open. Norman Powell now is getting a lot of open catch and shoots. Um, I thought like at the very beginning of this whole process, Harden had to like try to figure out where he fit in. And he was getting a lot of these open catch and shoots and just not even taking them. He was Mm -hmm. basically like pump faking his way out and then sidestepping into a defender. And I said to him in New York, I think it was Brooklyn. I I said, you look like you have to rewire your brain because you've spent the last 10 years trying to create your own offense all the time that now you're getting these wide open catch and shoots and you don't know what to do. You're just pump faking and then like holding it, and defender comes in. He's like, exactly. He's like, I haven't had an open catch and shoot basically since Oklahoma city. Yeah. I I mean, that's a lie. That was, he had,
1: that's a lie though. He had them all last season.
7: And and he had some with Kevin Durant, obviously and Kyrie Irving, but but he
1: had, I mean, he had them all last season. This was the story all last season with the Sixers all year. He kept pump passing up wide open, catch and shoot shots. And he would take one once in a blue moon. You go, oh, man, maybe this guy's going to finally do this. And then he wouldn't do it again. You yeah, It was so- funny
2: because when I saw them in Dallas, he's, that's the game he scored 14 in the first quarter, then didn't score the rest of the game, but he hit, I believe two catch and shoot threes in the first quarter. And we just talked about the same, the same thing in the pod. And he, after the game, he said, Yeah, I watch film. Like I get I've got to take those. I
0: thought you could say he watched the pod. <laughs> no, well, he did that been, that He, been he did
2: not mention that. But I told you guys then, like James was as like upbeat as I've ever seen him after a loss. Like and it makes sense. He got everything he wanted. And James does want to be number one in the pecking order. I think he's made that pretty clear without just coming out and saying it. But number one in the pecking order just means he's got the ball in his hands and he's figuring out who's getting shots, not not that he's taking 25 yeah, shots.
7: I, yeah, I, I would agree with you, Tim. I don't think he thinks – I think he knows Kawhi Leonard. In the pecking order is the guy that would, you know, if there's one shot to take at the end to win the game, The like the other night, it was going to be Kawhi. And if Kawhi doesn't have a shot, well, next best case scenario is the ball ends up in his hands or Paul George's hands. Uh, and so I think he understands that. And Ty Lue kind of made that clear in New York, too, when he was asked, like, hey, you said all these guys have to sacrifice. But like in the second half against the Knicks, you clearly were trying to get the ball to Kawhi Leonard. And he was like, well, Kawhi Leonard's our best player. So I think like that, that has been clear, but I think you're right. This is why he's Harden's happy. The ball is in his hands now. when he was on the floor with Russ, Russ had the ball in his hands a lot. So now they've divided that up a little bit, even though you just, you still find time where I don't know, it's almost kind of like they're giving a bone to Russ that when, when Russ does come in in the first quarter, he does. Tyloo will keep the majority of the starters in with Russ. So Russ gets some minutes with those guys too. All these guys need to sacrifice
2: roughly translates to Russ, your minutes are getting cut by a lot.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right, Um, thank you so much for checking on the Clippers. Enjoy your holiday. We'll talk to you soon.
7: All right, guys. Happy Thanksgiving. Adios amigo. All
0: right. Now joining us from Seattle, the machine, Kevin Pelton. He wants to talk about UW football. Should we let him? Let's have a vote.
9: Michael Penix Jr.
2: for Heisman. Let's go. Yeah, Got that big Penix energy. (laughs)
0: <laughs> uh,
2: the, actually, yeah. the thing I want to talk about right now
0: Never is change that we, no, that's we, not, I didn't
2: make that up, that's a thing up
9: there that, Oh, it's I 100% a thing, yeah, yeah. With, with Wendy wearing this Is that a turtleneck? The black turtleneck behind the black backdrop It kind of looks oh, yeah. like when People wear the full-body suits so that you can <laughs> put them on a blue screen and just have like floating heads. That's
2: what it yes. looks like to me.
0: It's I've had requests to to change various things and maybe. Hey, I you may know how I'd like
2: they, <laughs> games, like sometimes you'll see people like the cutouts of the big heads. That's basically what Wendy is now. It's just a cutout of this big old head. Well, it, Jackson
1: directly <laughs> says we're getting Wendy into 2K. That's what we're doing here. Getting
2: them get in the getting them in the suit
1: and the motion tracking suit ready to go.
0: What, All what, right. Well, do next. Pelton Pelton wanted to talk about the guys, the third year players, Ooh. crucial um, year for players <clears> typically when they take a big step forward, becoming stars. Unless they take start unless they take a step immediately, which sometimes happens. So that's guys from the 2021 draft. Um, we talked Uh-oh. a little bit. Uh oh,
2: we might talk about Evan Mobley, Bontemps, and I better be quiet because I hear there's some sensitivity in the Cleveland sports radio well, market I, these days. I'm
0: I may have heard some things from Cleveland about your guys' takes on Mobley, who keeps putting up double doubles but isn't blowing anybody away. But we'll hear what the machine has to say. We did talk uh to Isaac Chotner, um, our uh, our guest Rockets fan about um Jalen Green a little bit. But Pelton take a let's take a look at uh, some of these guys from the 2021 draft. Obviously Cade Cunningham was the number one overall pick back from injury on the Pistons who stink who Pistons have have They've played 40 games since last February. They're four and thirty-six in their last 40 games. Oh, they finished last year 2 and 23 and they're 2 and 14. I think they're two and
2: man. And they lost to the Nuggets last night when Joker got booted and so did Malone in the first half. And this no is a Jamal couple, Murray. Games, couple games after uh, Cunningham came out and said something like, We've just got to realize we're bad. And I think that's when they got blown out by the Raptors. It's it's tough going in Detroit right now.
9: What about Cade, Pelton? Yeah, I think an interesting frame for kind of this discussion is a couple weeks ago, Bon Temps and I were uh, some of the panelists on our top 25, under 25, and have a bunch of these third year guys in there naturally. They're almost all eligible. And Cade Cunningham was the highest ranked of them at sixth overall, coming off the excitement over his performance uh, as part of the USA Select team this summer against Mm -hmm. the World Cup team. I do have to wonder, like, in hindsight, after we watched the World Cup team defensively in that competition, did that maybe say more about the U.S. World <laughs> Cup team than it said about Cade Cunningham?
2: Hey, it, it's like if you played the Pacers, you might give
9: up some buckets, but you guys just look real good offensively. <laughs> oh, might, have, might have helped exactly. you have Chad Holmgren out there with him, too. Yeah, that didn't hurt. Who uh, was behind him on the top 25 under 25? I think if we did that today, mm-hmm. would, would not be the case. It was because it's kind of like an awkward time to do it, trying to figure mm-hmm. out how much to weigh the start of this season compared to what we've seen from guys in the past. But Cunningham was sixth on that list. I had him 13th and third among yeah. third-year guys. But oh, Bontemps
2: probably had him number one. He's been kissing his butt since he saw him in <laughs> Vegas. I look up where I Cade.
1: I think I had him eighth, something like that. So Zach Cram, had oh, a really okay interesting, talking.
9: Zach Cram had an interesting piece on the ringer the other day about sort of the disconnect between this kind of evaluation of Cade Cunningham and then what you see when you look at him statistically where – He's the only player in the NBA this season with usage rate over 30% and a true shooting percentage under five hundred. Uh, Julius Randles, fairly close to being him, but as, in that group, but has a slightly lower usage rate. And then he's averaging 4.8 turnovers per game, which will be in the top 10 in NBA history, including in addition to leading oh. league this year.
0: <laughs> That's not what you want to hear. <laughs> <No>.
2: Yeah. <laughs> but the other thing is, like, if Cade Cunningham's going to be successful it's going to be with Jalen Duren's going to be really damn good, which I think there's a chance of that as a, as that pick and roll lob threat. Who's missed I, the last
1: whole bunch of games for them. Played the exactly. first four hasn't played
2: since. And then he has to be surrounded. It has to be those two surrounded by three shooters. They have with Bogdanovich out, they have no shooting. It is like, I mean, it is a, he
0: just got cleared for full contact, by the way.
2: So that, that, he but, should be back soon. Uh, my point is, like, yeah, Cunningham's numbers are atrocious, and he's playing in probably the most cluttered offense in the league. So I, it's hard to it's hard to judge, hey, how much of this is Cunningham's really struggling? how much of this is like it's a really tough situation,
9: yeah, this is a stat I had in my mailbag on Saturday on the site if you look at kind of the talent if you estimate the shooting talent of the players around him in terms of like three point attempts per 100 possessions the he's got the third lowest shooting quality of his teammates around him Isaiah Stewart, because of the fact that Isaiah Stewart is right now a better shooter than Cade Cunningham, is number one on that list, and then Lamelo Ball is number two. So yeah, it, the Pistons situation makes it very difficult to like evaluate what they've gotten in Cade Cunningham, which is a really interesting contrast to Houston, where it was kind of that way the last couple of years with the mm-hmm. number two pick Jalen Green and then Oprah and Shingoon, who quietly might be the Rockets' best player from the 2021 draft. Oh, well, if I, that, I don't, and we're not going to do and a close. Whole-
0: we're not going to do a whole redraft of this. Maybe we'll do that another pod someday, but just off the top of your head, because I didn't ask you to prepare for this, where would Al Perrin Shingun, who went 16th, where would Alper and Shingun go if the 2021 here's the, draft... Here's was-
1: the better question. And Leading up to the
9: 2021 <laughs> draft,
1: where did the machine have Alper and Shingun ranked? Because I know well, the Shingun. answer to that.
0: Well, Shagun
9: was number one in the stats-only right. version of my projection. I wouldn't have drafted him number one. He does obviously have the defensive limitations, but he had seen, he but... had
1: probably the greatest statistical translation of any player coming out of Europe ever.
9: It
2: yeah. was his numbers was, was, off
1: the charts. Was better, a, than Luka? I better
2: than Luca? Not better than Luca. No, he was not he better was not. than Luca. But he was a Turkish league MVP, which the Turkish league is not the Spanish league, but it's you know one of the better leagues over there. The Rockets had him seventh on their board. And that they traded those two protected picks that I believe are New York's property now.
3: Uh wow, to from to Washington get at,
2: Detroit. Yeah, to and the Washington
9: almost certainly is not going to convey at this point with them going into a refill. Yeah, so who that, knows about the Detroit? That's been a master stroke needed. for Houston.
2: No, Detroit, so it's been a great move. Who who else from that
9: draft are you?
0: Let's just very, talk about Evan Mobley. We talked about him a lot on the last pod. Our thoughts are out there, Pelton. But what about Evan Mobley?
9: Yeah, I think it was and it, I think it was a good discussion. I mean, that it is a difficult time right now to be a center in the NBA because of the fact that with the floor so spaced, it's just really easy to be productive as a center. And you made that point about them potentially trying to move Jared Allen. And if Evan Mobley is ultimately primarily a center and not a power forward, then it applies to him as well that you kind of – the bar for being a productive offensive center is really high right now. Uh, and, you know, someone like what about Shaco- being a
0: non-shooting power forward because that's his role exactly
9: right yeah and, and the limitations it puts you in, you know you're going to have an awesome defense if you play Evan Mowgli at power forward and I think one of the interesting things if you look at this class as a whole is the defensive chops you've got like four-fifths of a potential all-defensive team just from this draft class when you look at Jalen Suggs on the perimeter he leads the NBA in steal rate Herb Jones who's having another really solid season for New Orleans uh Mowgli and then the guy who at this point we haven't talked about, but is would go number one, in my opinion, in a redraft is Scotty Barnes.
0: Yeah. Scotty Barnes. Well, what, well. by the way, real quick about Suggs, the magic are the, I haven't checked today, but as of yesterday, they were the number two defensive team in the league.
1: Tied tied with Minnesota for first. I looked it up earlier. It's only tied for first,
0: uh, Franz Wagner, you know, not known as a great defender, but as part of that, Jalen Suggs, a part of that, like the magic, mm-hmm. it hasn't been paying off in wins yet, but, the Magic are starting to show signs like a team that could do something, and the players from this draft are a factor there.
9: Yeah, I thought Bogdair, he was my pick for most improved coming into the season. I, I don't know if it's a hangover from the World Cup that we've maybe seen from some of the USA guys with fatigue. He he hasn't shot it well from three, or and his finishing is also way down from last season, so he's been a less efficient scorer. And it's really been Scotty Barnes who's been that guy, uh, a piece we have coming out Wednesday. So as you listen to this on ESPN.com, the way-too-early awards picks, and uh, our panel was split between Tyrese Maxey and Scotty Barnes for most improved. And and I had Scotty number one on my list just because I think Maxey played at a little higher level last season.
2: Man, Scotty Barnes, when they came through Dallas and I got to see him up close, and he didn't shoot the ball well at all that night, but he did everything else. And the thing that really just stands out to me is most guys with that kind of wingspan are wiry, right? They're 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 long and lanky. This dude looks like a freaking pass rusher. I mean, he looks like he could put his hand in the dirt and go get 14 sacks for, you know, whatever the hell Toronto's CFL team is.
5: Well yeah, obviously
1: right? he was disappointing. The Argonauts. Was, that's right, the Argonauts. And he was obviously disappointing last year. Part of the reason why Toronto disappointed as a group, but he's to your point, Kevin, he's taken the leap that they sort of expected him to last year, this year. And now he's got the ball in his hands all the time. He's, you know, sort of running his point forward. And it has been it has been really, really impressive um, to see what he has done for the Raptors, for sure.
2: Can we hit on a couple other guys with you real quick in this draft? I uh, want to ask your take on Josh Giddy, his development, and the fit there with OKC long-term.
9: Yeah, it's an interesting one because if you expand that group of guys with an under five hundred true shooting percentage to slightly lower usage rates, Josh Giddy is fairly high in terms of usage among that group as well. And, you know, his shooting is only going to I think become more important as the rest of this Oklahoma City group becomes more skilled and it becomes more important to, you know, keep help defenders away from Shea Gilgis Alexander's drives and Chet Holmgren rolling to the hoop and and what have you. Now, Chet does help make up for that to some degree. The fact that you've got a a great shooting five allows you to play a little bit weaker shooter, especially if it's someone who has the ball in his hands. But like, you know, if you're thinking about maximizing the potential of this group. It, it does seem like maybe it's a lot more Josh Giddy with that second unit where his playmaking can set up lesser offensive talents and you know find somebody else whether it's you know maybe a better version of I, Isaiah Joe just gives the defensive limitations he has because you love Giddy's a rookie guard you will too. yeah Jason Wallace could could very much be that guy. Well, the the thing about Giddy that I question
0: Brady. is what's the Thunder gonna pay him? If that's the case, yeah. in fact, I was, let's just do this real quick. I mean, we'll talk about this more later on, but we we got to move on. But do this real quick. As of today, the decision ain't getting made today. The decision's getting made next summer. How many of these guys are getting the max next summer? Uh, the Scottie's fun max. The, max. the fun max. To be clear, Mobley's
9: getting the max. Hey, should you still think
0: it. Are Mobley we sure? Ball?
9: Are we sure about Mobley? Yeah. Are Mobley's we sure? Max. You gotta
1: you, listen. I mean, if he ever yes. no, hold on. Hold on. Yes. If he's averaging fourteen points again this year for a third year in a row, is he definitely getting the max? He's getting the fun max
2: as a as a guy who's averaging mid teens, double double, and is. I the only mean, if he's player, averaging he's the max,
1: if his if his numbers are the same as they've been the last two years, again, I think he's that's getting the max
9: debated.
2: from a small market franchise. Yes.
9: I mean, it is interesting that Jaron Jackson Jr. did not get the max. Yeah. When, I, but he was, was a I, 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 don't he would, I don't think he would,
0: I don't think he would extend unless he got the max. There was major Not, not that anyone's told me
9: Jackson that. Yeah.
2: Remember how much time Jaron missed on his rookie deal. There was, that's a different I mean, scenario. I, I think Mobley,
1: I think Mobley extends for the, I think Mobley gets the max. I just think it's more of a debate than he definitely is. Scotty Barnes, right. if he could do play like this, is getting it for sure. Yes.
0: Yeah. Yes. So yes. after coming that, way, I think it's said,
1: a debate about most of these other guys. What and about Franz Wagner?
0: It.
2: Yes.
9: I think so. I mean, their their books are are particularly clean. I think, you know, you'd want to. The other thing with well, that's this... the
1: thing. He might be a, he might be a bit of a negotiation though. It might be a little bit below the max. Like it might not be the max. Like Cade, you would expect if he plays to his pedigree, he would get the max. Like I would guess, Cade probably extends for a max next summer. But I' am not sure about that based off how he's played.
9: But so much about this so is far. About, this is about the organizational commitment as well right. as just how well you play. I mean, the guy we haven't I mean, mentioned the, the guy, the guy we haven't
1: mentioned Green? might is Shangoon. Well, Jalen Green definitely isn't. But Shangoon's got
2: Shangoon could. Yes, I think Shangoon probably if he keeps this up, he's going to have to get the max. I don't
5: he, think if, Jaylen, he's
2: a, if he's a twenty ten and six guy. Are you kidding? me? Right. I, mean, I The think other thing that, I wanted to ask you about, not necessarily at the max, but unfortunately Cam Thomas got hurt after just lighting it up for the first whatever, however many games. Uh, how much do you believe in Cam Thomas as just a uh, near
9: elite level type of score, as a high 20 point kind of score? I mean, he's always had the ability to put the ball in the bucket. When I watched him at LSU, my thought was, this is a guy who's going to be like infuriating in terms of the discussions about his value because he's going to be averaging so many points per game, and it's going to be pretty empty in terms of his other contributions. Now, he's, I think, turned into a more efficient scorer at the NBA level than I expected based on that because he was not at LSU. And he's sort of in a perfect position in Brooklyn because you look at all these guys who are you know, interchangeable defensively can compensate for him at that end of the court. But what they need is shot creation. And Cam Thomas is happy to create shots and he's done it really well. I mean, like every time he plays, he scores a bunch of points at some point. You know, I think you've got to believe it's real, that uh, that's a, that's a legitimate skill for him.
1: He is shooting 32% from three though. And it did sort of feel like it was more of a science experiment than a real sustainable thing is him being, and elite guy. The one thing, one guy I want to ask you about real quick is what are your thoughts on Jalen Johnson, who has taken a really big step forward in Atlanta and I think has got a really high ceiling. He was a super high level recruit, had kind of a weird year at Duke, ended up falling to, I think, 20 in the draft when Atlanta got him was somewhere in the teens or 20. And he has now this year in his third year as a young yeah. guy still 20. really started to look like the kind of player that he had the potential to be going into college in the first place. Like what where, where, where does things sit up with him? At this point yeah. for UKP.
9: Yeah, I mean, he's been everything Atlanta's hoped to that he would be, I think, this season. He they haven't missed John Collins in that spot, I think, at all. He maybe even gives them a little bit of a, a different element with his playmaking ability compared to John Collins. And, you know, that's not something that they necessarily need a ton of because of the fact that you've got both Trey Young and DeJounte Murray, but it's a nice bonus to have that from the power forward spot and just his athleticism his size it it figured it was always going to be valuable i i liked him better than where he went in the draft i thought his season at duke kind of got lost in the shuffle a little bit because he didn't play in the second half of the year yeah all
0: right machine thank you so much for your time enjoy your thanksgiving good luck to your huskies and we're going to have you back uh short in the very short term here for uh small sample size theater always one of our favorite pods alongside our friend friendsgiving in november so talk to you soon
9: Looking forward to it. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Adios, amigo.
0: All right. Joining us now from Los Angeles, California, our Lakers man on the scene and one of Syracuse's finest, Dave McMenamin. Most importantly, Radnor
1: High School Hall of Famer. That's right.
10: Wow. You pronounced
1: it correctly,
10: too. Thanks, Timmy. I've
1: heard you talk about it more than once, (laughs) Pat.
10: That's true. That's
1: fair. Not the Hall of Fame part, to be clear, but the high school. (laughs) We're also very proud
4: of I, the I, I saw
0: the it's plaque awesome. the plaque is a spectacular like like this photo that Dave will have like as part of the Hall of Fame forever it's a very flattering it's a very impressive photo like he's, a he's a handsome he's, man he I, that's what I'm saying I'm hitting on you actually <laughs> um hey let me just say this um Anthony Davis is averaging fewer points shooting a worse percentage fewer rebounds in more minutes i guess his three-point shooting is mildly up um his blocks are way up he's having the best shot blocking season of his career to this point i feel like it's hard to have a conversation about how the lakers are doing without talking about anthony davis and it's like i might as well just start there um I, you're probably tired of hearing about it because it's such a thing. But like, whenever you check in on the Lakers, like I feel like hardcore Laker fans are defending Anthony Davis, and hardcore Laker critics are criticizing Anthony Davis. It's like where the rubber meets the road on the Lakers, and the Lakers are off to a mundane, you know, middling start, and Anthony Davis is not having the greatest year. I know he's had some great games, Dave, but is this is this as much about Anthony Davis as? As maybe it's is that is that a fair way to look at that?
10: If it's not number one, I do think number one has been the rash of injuries. And even if it's just to you know, a couple role players at this point in the rotation and Jerry Vanderbilt and Gabe Vincent, he's 1A because injuries have also been part of his story. And really, his numbers have taken a dip since this hip spasm situation that popped up against the Miami Heat. Now, to his credit, if we we want to give him credit for playing in it back to back, I know there's a lot of players out there who just playing back to backs, and it's no big deal. But last year he didn't, um, and this year he has, but has not looked good in them as he tries to get his body right. Um, you know, the thing that was concerning after the Portland game was he said that his lift was affected. But of course, mm-hmm. they won that game. So he had like five blocks, um, so he still made an impact on winning, but. It was the type of comment where you're like, should this guy even be playing? Lo and behold, he had 48 hours to do treatment on the hip and, and had one of his stronger games of the season. Um, the following time out at home against the Houston Rockets, and so I, I think question mark him is like, there's still a little bit of you know you don't know what you're going to get on a nightly basis, and when you can basically only look at this roster and say, okay, we know we're going to have LeBron on a nightly basis, we should know we're going to have Anthony Davis, I would say the next guy that we bring up is probably D'Angelo Russell uh, based on this season so far. And, and you know, that's not necessarily the formula to be making a run back to the Western Conference Finals.
2: Well, I mean, well, to your point.
10: To go ahead, McMahon.
2: I was going to say it's, it's, it's interesting you say that because Austin Reeves was the guy who coming off of last year, especially the way that he played in the playoffs, um, you know, the circumstances allowed the Lakers to get him Uh, uh, long-term, four years on a deal that I think league-wide was just seen as amazing value, and then it's been kind of up and down for him. What do you think about what we've seen from Reeves uh, so far this season and kind of within the Lakers? What's the trajectory? What's the anticipated trajectory for this guy?
10: Well, him in the starting lineup, uh, he and so did LeBron and so did D'Angelo Russell. They all missed Jared Vanderbilt a lot. Um, and so they were just struggling defensively and getting in these early holes. You know, through the first eight games, I believe, the Lakers had a point differential in the first quarter of 78 points negative. It was the worst <laughs> point differential through eight games in league history. You're, you're, you're spotting yeah. the opponent 10 points a night. Um, And some of that was Austin's presence or lack there of a presence on the defensive end. And so Darvin Ham coming off this three-game losing streak changed things around. You have Austin coming off the bench, um, and and he's surrounded by a different group, and he's also facing off against different players while playing defense, putting the ball in his hands more. He started to find a rhythm with that. He had a big shot uh, against Houston Rockets. Uh, to, to seal that one, put them up three with 24 seconds left to go. And he's also like seemingly finding the the mismatch of when do I go to get mine and when do I try to set my guys up? Part of the problem why he hasn't looked as good as he could look is, hey, you've never heard this one before about the Lakers before. They keep missing open shots. And so he's been playing on the second unit with guys like Christian Wood, um, Cam Reddish has been on the court with him some minutes too. They aren't converting some of the looks he's setting up for them. And then what do you do if you're a combo guard? Well, then you go back to try to get yours, and that balance gets skewed. Well, to your point, Dave,
1: I was looking at the numbers earlier on the, the Lakers, and it's been kind of a weird start, right? They're 24th in offense. They've got a negative point differential. They're second in the league in net rating. Yeah, they're 8-6. and six. They've toughed out some of these games. They won a couple overtime games. You mentioned they've had these injuries. They've had the shooting issues, which were sort of, part and parcel of what the roster is right so we're a month into the season we're obviously a month away from when they could start making moves with some of these guys that they signed this summer where are you at with the lakers in terms of what this team is like you said earlier in terms of this this was a group that thought coming off last year they were going to be right back in the mix go back to the west finals they st- instead sort of look like a team that's going to be where they were in the regular season last year and that's with lebron playing out of his mind and mm-hmm. obviously a Certainly a candidate, though, knock on wood, to potentially miss some time at some point just because of the age he's at and the minutes he's playing. So, like, what is sort of the feeling for you and with the Lakers in terms of where they sit right now? And, like, is the expectation that once they can make moves, they're going to think they need to upgrade? Do they think they just need to get healthy? Do they think that, you know, guys just need to start playing better? Sort of where, where is the feeling around them a month then?
10: So the team, you know, Darwin has thrown out the 20 game mark as you know, something any team coming into a new season should be allowed to tinker with. And, mm-hmm. you know, talking to others around the team, they're asking for even more than that 20 game mark, uh, partially because, again, you haven't seen Jared Vanderbilt all season. And, you know, there's a chance he plays by the end of the month. He's somewhere in that range now, the two week range now. And then you saw Gabe Vincent for a couple games and he's been out and he's, not close to returning at this point. You know, I reported last week he got this knee drained at PRP. You know, we're talking weeks, if not a month, before we see him on the court. I mean, and so
0: I don't have any information, but PRP is typically a six to eight week recovery period, four to six weeks at best. And so it's, you know.
10: So they're, they're not, not, not close not, not, to not, having it, but what they want, Tim, is is to have it, have the rotation, see it for a chunk of games. And then had that information
4: Mm
10: -hmm. banked when they go to the trade market because they are still flexible enough. The contracts they signed, particularly D'Angelo Russell, Rui Hachimura, Jared Vanderbilt, they're all young enough and they're in a salary kind of number that you can do some things with. And you throw in, they have a first rounder available to trade. You know, maybe, you know, some team likes what they've seen in limited minutes from Max Christie or Jalen Shafino, They can be a little bit of a grease the wheel type of thing, get it across the finish line. There will be for them. Um, and, they, and they kind of, quite frankly, they hope that they don't have to look for the more severe options and, and just tinker.
0: By the way, LeBron is having something happen this year, and I don't know if it'll hold. He is shooting 59% from the field. He's up to 68% on two-pointers. Last year, I feel like, Dave, he wasn't always getting to the basket, and he was settling a lot. That foot looks good, knock on wood. It would be crazy for LeBron to have his best shooting season at age 38, 39. That's what's happening right now. What he's already
1: doing is insane. <laughs> I really know. Ridiculous. I mean, I
2: know. <laughs> to, to, but like, to be a, to be a good starter at his age is insane. It's
1: basically one other guy to history. Of the all league NBA
2: done to be an all NBA player is like mind blowing.
0: <laughs> one of my favorite LeBron stats is that he actually increased his field goal percentage in nine consecutive seasons at one point. Um, he has shot as high as 57% um, is last year in Miami when he was basically messing around with only taking perfect shots. Like he went through like a 10 game stretch where he shot like 75, 78%. Yeah. Um, he shot 57% that year. I don't know if he'll be able to eclipse that, but the idea Dave that he is, that he is shooting 59% 13 games in the season. I mean, regardless of what's going on with the Lakers and what might happen, like, Holy Moses! Like, let's let's take a moment to recognize the the level that you know. A couple years ago, he won the assist title. It was like, oh yes, Moses. I should, I shall win my first assist title in year nineteen. Okay, I
10: think it was seventeen for the assist. Yeah, year fifteen yeah, was, was the first time. Yeah, year fifteen was okay. the first time he did all eighty-two games. Year seventeen was the assist title. Who knows? Twenty-one will be his field goal percentage. And it's funny you mentioned the Miami thing. That was, I think if I remember correctly, and you were around that team a lot, there was a game within the game between him and Dwayne Wade where they were kind of trying to match one another with their efficiency. He's out on an island doing this himself. And some of it has certainly been getting into the paint um, through 13 games. He had the best shot percentage of his career within three feet. Um, And and that's a a big, steady part of his diet. The other thing is three-pointers – Falling at forty percent or thirty nine point seven, his career best is forty point six, and he's taking a much higher volume than he than when he shot forty point six. I asked yeah, that him was about it three a
0: game. Now he's taking six, double,
10: double. I asked him about over the weekend. He said basically, I feel good, so in between games, I can actually practice. He can work on That's keeping a his really shot good. Point. That's
0: a very very good point. By the way, before you go, Dave tonight. The Lakers play the Jazz in their last in-season tournament game. They are three and I believe they're only the only three and team in the league. If they win tonight, they clinch whatever group it is and will <laughs> get a home game uh in the quarterfinals. Um, I know uh the the big thing they have at this point is that they already beat the Suns. So if the Suns who were sort of regarded as the sort of second or actually top seed in their whatever group, like group. The Lakers are kind of an in-season tournament threat. They may only be eight and six or whatever they are, but they're a, 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 they're a lion in the in-season tournament.
10: They picked their big blowout of the season um, with good timing. They destroyed the Memphis Grizzlies, who's in their group, and by like thirty and obviously point.
2: Oh yeah, they're the top seed. Go <laughs> oh, wait, that, that, that's the game when somebody asked AD, when's the last time you get to sit the whole fourth quarter? And he said, I'm pretty sure it's the last time
10: we saw the Grizzlies. Which was- <laughs> <laughs> Elimination game. That was a cold line.
0: Man. Oh, yes.
10: Yeah, the only colder line was Rui Hachimura being asked about Dylan Brooks, um, you know, constantly being an agitator against LeBron James. And he goes, oh, I and mean, he just wants to be part of his legacy, I guess, which is like, Okay, that was not a lost in translation moment. You were personally taking a dagger into Dylan Brooks there. But, you know, they they've, they've play well in the in-season tournament. LeBron has embraced it. AD has embraced it. It's trickled on down. Um, now they've embraced it. The necessarily spirit of competition, but spirit of capitalism. Like, they all yeah. talk about the money. They want to <laughs> get that money. And Listen, they probably... so do other
1: guys around the league too. That, is, that has been much more of a motivating thing than I sort of expected. I thought guys would care, but like that's people saw that from the beginning and were like, hey, I would like to get this half a million dollars. Well, I will
0: say this I get why like Alex Fudge or like Christian Wood, uh, Torrey and Prince were playing on minimums would care, but LeBron makes 500 grand a game as it is.
2: Listen, the one thing I've learned covering pro sports rich people all want to be even richer. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I that's what,
0: nobody I believe that's not? Giannis. Uh, we're not talking about money. We're talking about oh, All right, Dave. Well, thank you so much. Enjoy your Thanksgiving. Hey, maybe we'll see you in Vegas. Maybe we'll get oh, you to the live show. If you play your card, if if you, Lakers play their card right. <laughs> their card right. <laughs> hey, it's a short drive
2: from LA, anyways. Dave will be there. <laughs> Old Mac yeah, 10 right. will be with us. Yes, sir. Yeah, All right. I think we'll be on Delta. Thanks, Dave. Happy holidays. More Hoop Collective podcast after this.
0: So we got a little surprise for our buddy Jackson Agello, the producer. We told him that Brian Scalabrini was joining us from outside the collective, but that was a lie. We lied to him.
1: <laughs> That's right. A little surprise. Because joining
0: us now, the voice of the Boston Celtics. And, on the road. More importantly, Only on the on road. The road Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> on the road next year, for now, he will take over for the legend Mike Gorman full time. For now, the road voice of the Boston Celtics also works with us at ESPN and was Jackson Agello's roommate at Syracuse University. It's Drew no, Carter. Jackson Drew, welcome to the Hoop Collective.
11: What's up, gentlemen? Uh, Jackson, Drew, turn your camera on. You Drew, can't.
1: True. What did you uh, What did you say when I asked you last week if you wanted to come on to talk about Jackson? Do you remember what you said?
11: I believe you should verbatim. There's. I think I said there's nothing I'd rather do than blank on Jackson Ajello on a podcast. <laughs> that is correct. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
0: yeah. We are so, not having you on to talk about the Celtics. I know they're the best team in the NBA. Whatever.
2: are they? Because I, I saw him had lose to the 31 Hornets. points
0: in the first half <laughs> last night. But you know, come on. What kind of character was this? Was this Jackson? When he was, you know, in his prime. I mean, now he's washed up. When he's in his prime in college. <laughs> well,
11: first of all, Bam McMahon, they only lost to the Celtics because the refs screwed them, or really the scoreboard operator screwed them. Um, should have been three point two seconds, was actually one point seven seconds. Brother,
2: um, if you go to overtime with the Hornets, you deserve to lose. So,
0: Boy, he is,
11: you know, he is he instantly, is instantly joined easy. the green teamers. Instantly, he is yeah.
0: definitely a Celtic. I mean, he turned in yeah. the orange Somewhere, team for the green team. Tommy Heinsohn just gave you some Tommy points, Drew. That's right.
9: Now we're getting out to the stopwatch at the end
11: of that game. It was, look, it was in the last two minutes, guys, but yes, I'm going full Johnny most. I'm almost as much of a homer for the Celtics as Jackson is for Syracuse. And I know everyone on this Zoom call knows a lot of Syracuse homers. We get it. I know there's a St. Bonaventure alum on this call as well, so probably knows all about how annoying Syracuse people can be, but I promise that you is guys, true. I'm, I'm looking at Jackson right now wearing. Is that a Pearl Washington shirt, Jackson? But oh, you, you know, that's the Pearl shirt. <laughs> yes. So um, I see Jackson, the biggest homer in Syracuse history, and this is a guy. Guys, I went to the same school as Jackson, but I will actually chirp him about how Syracuse is performing because he's that much of a homer. So Jackson, <laughs> how'd we do in the Maui Invitational the last couple of days, bud? Did you get a chance to watch any of those
9: games? Oh well, Drew, I did. I have rigged my setup here at ESPN a little bit. I got, I got a
0: nice, nice oh, TV right here for myself. By to, the way, I don't know. Enjoy. Did you, check did out you like know,
1: Yeah, Drew, talk? did you know about Jackson Studio Fifty Seven setup at the at the, at, the at, at Bristol?
11: Is that like a shrine to Jim Beheim behind you? What are all those orange lights?
9: Uh, well, some of the orange over here has been, you know,
7: maneuvered around from some of the ESPN prop rooms that we have slightly forgotten to return yet. So let's keep that on the table.
2: <laughs> uh, listen, we should have had we should have had Mac Ten stay on here because I Jackson might be the biggest Syracuse homer, but Mac Ten is the most sensitive. So if we were going to bag on <laughs> yeah. if we we're going to bag on the Qs, then <laughs> then Mac Ten should have stuck around. Well,
11: <laughs> lordy. To give you an well, idea of how big of a homer he is, um, we played South Florida in football. I think that was our sophomore year, Jackson. Uh, that's That South Florida team was sick. They had Quentin Flowers, a quarterback, Marlon at running back. We were like a three-touchdown underdog in Tampa. And I'm like, dude, we're going to get our asses beat. Jackson's like, no, we're going to win by three touchdowns. <laughs> I'm like, all right, bet. And so we did. And so to this day, Mr. agello owes me 20 bucks. Still waiting. I was Still gonna waiting.
1: say that was Drew's introduction to the pod in the preseason. We brought he, first thing he said to me was, "You got to talk about this bet on the pod." <laughs> the
0: I, I went to running, get that
9: back, But I used that cash on a haircut instead, and it was really well done.
11: <laughs> nobody can see it because you're always wearing your hat, man. Either backwards or like at a 45 degree angle, it's barely on top of your head. That was also a Jack staple in college. I'm glad to see that's continued.
4: <laughs>
0: Well, Drew, um, the Celtics, man, uh, they look good. I know they had a disappointing loss to the Hornets. LaMelo Ball is lighting it up. You guys got to see that the last couple of days. Um, I don't know how this experience has been for you, but you're certainly joining them when they've got, you know, one of the of the teams of these last six or seven years when they've been contenders. They've got maybe their best team, and I suppose you're having some fun with them a little bit to this point.
11: Yeah, it's a perfect time to join the team, guys. and. It's it's nice for me because I'm following a guy who's been there for 40 plus years, and so it's big shoes to fill. And I put a lot of pressure on myself. I know how much the the broadcast means to the fans. I know how passionate that fan base is. But the reality is, no one's going to complain about the announcers when the team's winning by 30. So
0: <laughs> that, that well, if they're makes... going to complain, they're going to complain about Scal. Let's just let's just I, listen. Be You're although, in a good position. I've,
2: after that, after that loss of the Hornets, I'm this is
11: prime time to complain. So if you've got
2: some criticism
11: for, for
2: Drew, let's hear it. Yeah, Tim, thanks
11: for reminding me twice now that the Hornets beat the Celtics the other night. Look, it was a back-to-back. Stuff happens in the NBA. We're missing two of our top six. It
0: yeah, wasn't we... a back-to-back for the Hornets, though. On, it wasn't a back to back
2: it was a back-to-back missing two of their top six, playing five on eight. Those refs were cheating. Yeah. What else we got. <laughs> they they put a lid on the on the
1: on the hoop for the uh, Drew Holiday, free throws at the end. Definitely made Jalen <laughs> take a couple of crazy ill-advised shots down the stretch. Mark Definitely Williams made a Tatum monster. miss a wide-open layup by himself. Definitely made Tatum fall asleep and let Gordon Hayward go backdoor for
2: a layup uncontested <laughs> right. the last minute overtime. <laughs> All right.
11: Bontemps, We get it. Oh, my God.
2: We get it. But hey, look. I'm just saying. Hey, hey. As big a homer as Jackson is for the Qs, I think we've we've found his match with the Celtics.
4: <laughs> we well, actually haven't. Well, we
1: have well, at least him.
2: he's getting paid to do it. There's a difference. Jackson <laughs> paid that. all sorts of money
1: to be a homer for Qs. This guy's yeah. getting paid by the C's. Come on. And he's still like
11: 20 because of the Syracuse football team. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Jackson said if you come out to the live show in Vegas the Friday before the uh, – in-season tournament final that he'll he'll finally pay his debt he said he, he'll have a crisp eat, 20 for you i'll Fresh put out it in, the it Charles Barkley
7: school of banking for you i'll either double it triple it or i'll lose it all <laughs>
0: <laughs> well drew thanks for stopping by we really appreciate it we'll be talking to you we'll be glad to have you back and as the celtics uh, march through this season and um thank you for mocking jackson and i would love for you to do it more and also if you have any dirt inside dirt on him please let us know that we can use against him
11: Uh, i'd love to come back on whenever guys the only dirt i have on jackson is i have a foggy hazy memory of him being a really good beer pong player in college Really that good. Doesn't sound like, that doesn't sound like much dirt. That just
0: sounds not like until scale. after his 21st birthday in his junior year, I'm sure. Jackson being a rule follower. And you know, there being so much to do in the winter in Syracuse. I can't <laughs> believe that <laughs> happened.
11: He's from Cheshire, Connecticut. He follows the rules, man.
0: <laughs> By the way, some some stuff went down with bond temps in college that we won't bring up, but there's evidence. That's all I'm gonna say. Mm. That's all I'm gonna say. Sure. Uh, all right. Thank you, Drew. We'll talk to you soon.
2: Thanks, guys. Adios, amigo. All
0: right. Now joining us from Chicago, Illinois, our man on the Bulls and Bucks. We hung out at the United Center on Monday night for uh, Heat uh, Bulls is Jamal Collier. Hello, Jamal. Welcome to Friendsgiving.
8: Good to see you again, Brian. You come to Chicago. The Bulls don't give you many reasons, but you got to come hang out in Chicago more.
0: (laughs) I've been to many spectacular (laughs) games at the United Center. This was not one of them. Um, I
2: was going to say, just not not in the last several years. There are a lot of are a lot of Thanksgiving
1: are a lot of Thanksgiving cheer at the UC these days, Jamal.
8: No, Brian brought in his to bring some. <laughs> it was great seeing Wendy, but uh, the, I think the everybody else was uh, was what are you doing here?
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, the Heat played very well. They did split the baseball series. The Bulls did break the Heat's uh, seven game win streak, so that was positive. There just there was an absence of energy in that building uh jamal and um you know you, you had to spend your pregame dealing with billy donovan talking about um uh the bulls having to i don't know would you use the word i don't think maybe dismal but they had to they had reprimand. to deal with
8: yeah deal with, they had to yeah, deal with the go.
0: fallout of well tell us tell us what happened with zach levine um earlier this uh, week
8: so at the end of that that Saturday game, which was a win and a rare you know Bulls win these days, uh, the team After is going to celebrate
1: twenty to one. By the way,
8: to start twenty two 22. Sort of, to right. one. That's just sort of a normal first first quarter for that. It went like two or three. Yeah, it, D- De- Demar DeRozan started. had one of his. <laughs>
0: Demar DeRozan had one of his classic fourth quarters where yeah. he like led a Bulls comeback victory Saturday night in Chicago. There's, there's no snow yeah. yet. It was a great, a great day to be a Bull. You know.
8: Yeah, and, and Zach Levine out. wanted to get out of there. Uh, it was basically as soon as the buzzer sounded. He's storming off the court. Um, you know, a team staffer, uh, PR staffer, kind of comes up to him, presumably to, to you know get him to do a post-game interview. Um, and Zach just clearly wants no part of it. I mean, he you know doesn't sort of like, sort of just pushes past her. I don't think there was any sort of like physical altercation, mm-hmm. con- you know, contact kind of deal, but he does sort of like brush her off and head straight to the back.
0: It didn't um, look good. I, I, whatever it was, it, it didn't look
8: good. Yeah. Yeah, not 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 the kind of thing when you're sort of sort of presenting yourself to the rest of the league, right, to, as why I can help your team that you sort of want to come off with. Uh, you know, Philly Donovan didn't go into details all the way about what how the Bulls handle it, but you know, there were a lot of people internally there that were just kind of angry about the way that came off, the way it was, and and I think we talked about it last week, Brian. Uh, generally, the people with the team do enjoy Zach, and and as far as him as a person, think he's a good guy, but. Uh, it was just not the kind of uh, incident, um, you know, just a, a bad look and a bad incident, I think, for the team and, and for a guy, again, Lane Zach, who's sort of tried to, you know, present himself to the rest of the league, not to mention that his play on the court hasn't really followed that as well.
0: Okay, Listen, so yeah, yeah,
2: let me just say that All this. the things have gone wrong with the Bulls. Like, that's yeah. what we're going to focus on. Well,
0: that's what happened t- this week, you yeah. know. But I will just say, I watched most of the game on Saturday. It wasn't like Zach. I don't have to say he played 35 minutes in that game. He took 10 shots. He played 35 minutes on Monday. He took nine shots. I'm just saying I've seen Zach Levine play with more aggression. If,
2: if I didn't know any better, I would think that he doesn't want to be there anymore.
0: I'm not making an accusation, but Jamal, I, he doesn't look like the Zach Levine who scored 51 points a few weeks ago.
8: And a loss. <laughs> He doesn't. I mean, you know, the Heat were, were obviously trying to get like, you know, putting some pressure on him and they put pressure on ball handlers. But uh, I think even before that, you know, like these last couple of games, the shot totals have been down, but he, he just does has have 11 assists
0: in, in total in it, those two games. It wasn't like he was passing the ball, but.
8: It, it I mean, it is funny just like to think about a world where people are asking Zach Levine, you know, who I think people want him not to shoot or <laughs> kind of want urging him why is he not shooting more? But it's glaring when the team is going through so many kind of offensive sort of the story of the team, but these first quarters they have not been able to get out of the gate, are constantly falling behind 20 to 1 and in and, and you know, so forth. They missed their first eight shots in like three or four two or three games in a row. Uh, you know, he's the guy that you should turn to and you would think at this time would be sort of stepping up to take onus on it. Uh and he's very much been willing and sort of deferring to the rest of the guys right now.
1: Well, Jamal, we obviously there's a lot of talk about Zach in his future, right? Yeah. So I guess two things for you on that is a what do you see as the timeline for how this thing is gonna play out? Like, is this gonna happen, especially in light of recent events? Is this something that could happen sooner? And maybe people think, or is this something that could last for a while? And secondarily, what about the rest of the roster? Like, is this a Zach and then they are going to sit back with the rest of it and wait? Or do we think this is a chance for not only Zach, but, you know, whether tomorrow's expiring contractor, Alex Caruso is a really interesting piece. If he gets put on the trade block, like how Mm -hmm. far do you think this goes beyond whatever may or may not happen with Zach?
8: My guess on the timeline for Zach is that it's going to take some time. Uh, again, he is not playing his best basketball to start off, just shooting numbers are down, uh, you know, his sort of points. And and we just kind of talked about his last couple of games haven't looked great. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's still at that point in the season where everybody kind of either feels good about what they got or have just sort of started to put these rosters together. I don't think anybody is in a position that they're ready to tear their roster apart. For Zach Levine, or at least meet the kind of demand that the Bulls think that he would net. Um, well, so I think or they we're going to.
2: They can't because yeah. December 15th, January 15th, those dates. Yep.
8: Yep. So I, I think that because of all those reasons, uh, you're going to have to say the Bulls are going to probably have this is going to have to sort of develop itself a little bit. I think that even if Zach the past week or two has really made it clear that he's frustrated, not just, you know, sort of the incidents or or whatever, but, you know, the other day, Um, you know, right after the report dropped last week. Uh, Zach, who's usually very much uh, the kind of guy who doubles down on, I signed my commitment to this kind of disfranchise with the contract that I signed. He wasn't saying any of that uh, last week. He was very much uh, that now is not the time to talk about a trade. He just referred to his agent, uh, Rich Paul, of course. And, um, you know, I think that for now, this seems like a Zach thing for the Bulls. Uh, But the more and more their sort of win loss record continues to go the way it does. Uh, And, you know, they haven't won two games in a row all year. They haven't looked great in four quarters of a game really uh, in the last couple of weeks. Like, uh, you know, the more and more this thing kind of becomes a reality, I think it's going to be a little bit harder for them to face, uh, you know, harder for the, the team to sort of ignore what, what the team is, uh, the roster is at this point. So I think right now the Bulls are probably more focused on Zach uh, and seeing where the rest of it goes. But you know it's the kind of thing that I'm not sure is going to get a whole lot better here as we continue to go up uh, across the season.
2: what what they say on Breaking Bad about half measures? You know?
8: They were that's not acceptable.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's all I'm going to say there. I tell you what yep. though, man, finding a value Return for Zach Levine is not going to be easy, especially like if they if they really think they're going to get a star level package. I wish them well. Well, it's just it's just
1: going to have to be a recalibration of what it is. I mean, they're not getting a star level package back. The question is, like, how far down from that do you go before you deem it acceptable to get anything and get out of it? I mean, yeah. I think this is going to be much closer to, like what, say the Detroit Pistons traded for Blake Griffin, which I think was a first round pick and essentially, like Tobias Harris, really. Like that's you're talking like maybe an interesting young player and maybe a pick
2: Man, like that's like, and,
1: and you're hoping to get out of the money that you're not getting it, out it, anybody it, for Zach.
2: It's a different situation because there's not a no trade clause. So like he doesn't get to control where he goes. But, you see what the Wizards got for Beal, and you know it, it ended up being Jordan Poole and a first-round pick, but uh, and, and whatever other little pieces were in there. But the big prize there was the contract software. books, and I think ultimately, like in a in a Levine deal, that's going to be a significant part of it. I, I just I've yet to find an executive or scout from another team who who. Like I asked, who would you want from that roster? And it, Caruso is always first. Yeah, DeRozan is is always before Levine, so that's going to be interesting.
8: And you know, again, I don't think that they're there yet on DeRozan, but thinking about the idea they could assign to him and DeMar's, you know, a guy who I think gets deserves some benefit of the doubt that some of his shooting numbers will sort of uptick as he continues to to go across the season, but the peak that he was a couple of years ago when he first got to Chicago and was and you know he had the big fourth quarter comeback the other day, but we're pretty we're getting far removed from that player. And just I would be wary of signing his next contract. And I think that the Bulls uh especially for a team in the Bulls situation, I'll say well
3: that's
1: the thing, right, Jamal? Like if the Bulls yeah. were let's say the Bulls were where they were two years ago even, right? And they were like a yeah. they you could say they were hey, we're a legit top six team. Maybe yep. we're fighting for home court advantage. Okay, maybe then you say we could do some kind of deal with Demar. I mean, this team looks hopelessly lost. Everybody yep. looks miserable. They do not look like a team that's going to be even in the play-in. Maybe they could scrape their way to tenth. But like now, you're going to sign up to have Demar into his late thirties with this team? Like that and, just and doesn't you, it doesn't, doesn't make sense, sense for anybody to do you that. You
2: just made a mistake bringing Vucevic back on a on a significant deal. Just right. to help you stay stuck in purgatory, like don't yeah. don't repeat. Your well, look, if you're Demar,
0: and I realize they're different ages, but if you're Demar, and you saw Vucevic get that contract, you might say, "Well, what about me?" <laughs> I mean, well, if, you can kind of you can kind of understand why he's taking a lot that. More
1: Demar's going to want a lot more than yeah. Vucevic. Well, I, I understand
0: that, but that's <laughs> not the. I'm just saying, yeah, like, yeah,
8: but Vucevic got paid back. Yeah, Zach got paid going back a few more you know, years back. Zach also got paid. And if you're DeMar, so said, well, I'm the number one option.
1: Yeah. Well, if <laughs> so, I'm DeMar, too, I'm thinking, hey, let me get my bird. I mean, we talk about the Chris Ro- Paul bird rights on this pod, right? Like, mm-hmm. let me get my bird rights somewhere else. Give me out yeah. a good team now that wants to pay me this <laughs> summer. Like, yep. if I'm DeMar going into my mid-30s, I, I'm trying to get to a team – that's got a chance to be a contender the next. Company. That makes and sense for everybody because
2: the Bulls like he's not part of your future. So get what you know, like get an asset. Get it doesn't make for sense
1: more. for them to have Caruso either. I mean, that's another guy that with where his value's at on the contract he's at. You know, they already are worried about playing too many minutes because I mean, is I mean, you see him every day, Jamal, but he. He's flying around, smashing into stuff all the time. Yeah,
8: like, can't stay off the floor. No, uh, off, so the, like, off the uh, ground. <laughs>
1: yeah, no, exactly. So, like, they got to, to me, it's the time to maximize the return for him. Like, I, I mean, I, I asked before to see what your sense was of what they're going to do. To me, this thing has got to be ripped down to the studs. And, like, that doesn't necessarily mean you only get back draft picks. Maybe you get some young players. You get some different pieces. You, you can kind of retool what you have instead of just ripping it down. But, the, I mean, this is not working. Like that, I think anybody yeah. watching it could only agree that you just cannot continue with this crew and be like, "Yeah, we're just going to roll along and this going to be fine." Like
0: Jamal, when's the best time to plant possible. a
8: tree? That just a great wisdom of knowledge from you. Last year, <laughs> and, that, and, and if the if the if the Bulls that came to this realization, last trade deadline, you're talking a year and a half of Demar. You know Zach Levine maybe hasn't reached the sort of the bottom of his yep. trade value. He was really turning it up. on uh, you get two and a half of Caruso. and Chris was really probably playing the best basketball of his career right now too. so I think he still sort of retained his value uh, and you wouldn't have signed that Boosh deal. So if honestly if they't done it last
2: year, I think they could have maybe gotten the Kyrie deal from the Mavericks who would have traded for Levine instead of Kyrie at that point. Yeah. and I think that's I think
1: that's better yeah, than what they're, they're going good. to get now.
0: So yeah, there was I mean, an amazing I mean, I, that moment. That
1: future Mavs pick is a really good pick. They would have, that would have at least been something yeah. to have in the future.
0: There was an amazing moment uh, in the game that we were at last night. In the first half, I think it was the first quarter, Jimmy Butler went across the lane and threw in about a seven or eight foot away from the basket, Skyhook. That in and of itself was impressive, especially since after the game, Eric Spolster said, I've never even seen him practice a Skyhook. <laughs> but the. Amazing thing was that Jimmy announced out loud while he was doing the Skyhook, he yelled out loud, Skyhook.
1: Jimmy, former Bull, and who doesn't it. mind at all sticking it to the Bulls, never. No. Right. It was
0: absolutely an amazing moment. One of my favorite moments that's happened in the league so far this year. I couldn't hear it from where I was sitting. Jamal had a better seat than me, but you were at the other end. I don't know if you could hear it. But it was it was audible on the broadcasts. And down the court, I just thought that was an amazing moment. Spolstra, who doesn't hand away laughter easily, couldn't help himself because he didn't—he hadn't heard it. When he heard about it, he couldn't help himself but laugh at that at that moment.
8: I mean, it was preposterous. I mean, How could you not <laughs> laugh at it? The whole thing was preposterous. I love it. I mean, the the Heat are so just fun to watch as well. When they, I mean, Bam is all over the floor, like Hawkins and like, you know, knocking down shots. I mean, look,
0: I don't want to pile on Patrick. I I don't want to pile on Patrick Williams because Patrick Williams actually (laughs) had a decent game. Yeah, But there was a stretch in the second half where Patrick Williams and Jaime Hawkes were guarding each other. And Patrick Williams was a prospect, you know, a development player. Comparing him to Jaime Haquez, even though they're about the same age, isn't really fair because Jaime Haquez is way more developed on his skill set. But when you watch Haquez play, and that was the first time I'd ever seen him in person, he does so many things competently. Ryan, you just
1: said, you just you said, just said, said the said that number. The guy four, who yeah. was drafted the fourth <laughs> pick in the draft three and a half yeah. years ago is not as developed as yeah. the guy who was drafted 18th this year, yeah. who's clearly so better be, than him. I'm just saying, comparing.
11: That, you want to Hawkins. talk about, listen, and sir- all That's seriousness, you
1: want to talk about the whole yeah. Arturus Karnishevus time in Chicago? Patient zero for their entire situation is that pick was a disaster. I mean, Tyrese Halliburton was in that oh. draft. They, like, they, they that pick striking out on that top five pick, and they struck out on it. Like, Patrick Williams is maybe an okay reserve. You cannot strike out. But
0: so many of a top their draft five
8: but a lot of teams struck out in that draft before in that Halliburton. I understand. I know that Jamal, uh, that, but that's fine. Uh, but, but
1: but like
0: they're not I, the whole situation. Dalen Terry was the only player amongst everybody on who was on the active roster who didn't play last night. He was last year's draft pick. Phillips, yeah, well, you know, he's raw, but he's not
1: his second round pick know. this year. But the pa- the yeah. Patrick Williams thing, he's not as good as Jaime Hawkins, <clears throat> like at all. It's very obvious he's not as good as him. Like that, yeah. that's a disaster. For them. yeah,
8: for a, for a team that was trying to win now and has been trying to win now, again, the last, those two first round picks, not even getting guys who can see the, you know, Williams plays, but Dalen's not even able to see the floor. I think Hawkins can defend
0: multiple positions. He's not, Hawkins <laughs> has not shot the ball great, but he defends multiple yeah. positions. He's got good footwork. He has great positioning. He has, he he'd rebounds.
1: Starting, he'd be starting for the Bulls right now and they'd be really 100%. happy with him starting. Yeah. That's all you have to and, say.
0: You go yeah. around the heat locker room and they all love the guy, which, yeah. you know, by so the way, you know he'll also be starting too. for
1: the Bulls right now. Wendell Carter Jr., Franz Wagner, you know, I mean, it the Bulls are just in a depressing place.
2: I mean, Hawkins yeah. also has okay. an elite facial hair arrangement these days. No, you're right about that one. I'm not going to
8: Chicago, you know, uh, we just went to the might have to yeah, fill fine. it out in Chicago. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes, it was, uh, it was, it was. Fun to watch uh, Jaime play for the first time in person. That was uh, that was an enjoyable part of that game, but not as enjoyable as Jimmy Butler yelling skyhook as he was doing a skyhook. Uh, and apparently, uh, Pat Riley has long quested for one of his players to actually develop a skyhook because obviously he was on the front row for. The I mean, captain. is that
1: is that definitely the case, or was Spo just saying that last night? I couldn't tell if well, he was just what's... nodding to. To Riley, saying I, he would love it if somebody actually well, mimicked. The no captain, one's done Kremant it in thirty Jabbar.
0: years, so I don't. Right. you know, I'm not sure that Pat is like still coming in every day saying <laughs> anybody working on that skyhook. But
1: right, <laughs> he does love Kareem, though. Obviously,
0: <laughs> all right, Jamal. Thank you for joining us, and we'll talk to you soon. All right, Thanks,
8: guys. Jamal. Have a happy Happy Thanksgiving. Thanks, Thanks for having me. too, man. Adios, amigo.
0: Okay, we have two pieces of good news. One. Montems had to go to Nick Nurse and J.B. Bickerstaff's pregame, so he's done. We're done from hearing from him. That's number one. Second good news is we have joining us from Oakland Kendra Andrews, our Golden State Warriors beat reporter. Hey, Kendra, what's up?
4: Hello,
12: hello. How are you guys?
0: Very good. Thanks for joining us. Happy Thanksgiving. Yeah. Welcome Happy to our Friendsgiving. Yeah. And also another Oakland. Well, you, actually, I said you you're, you're from Oakland. I didn't. You're not necessarily in Oakland.
12: Well, I'm so, Sitting in San Francisco, but I wear Oakland on on my shirt. So oh. we well, stick with right. Oakland. Stick with Oakland. You know, okay. Like, well, like you're from Warriors San Francisco. Oakland,
2: but sold out.
12: Hey now. <laughs> hey now. <laughs> but moved across. Oakland, but moved across the bay. I think are I you... still spend more time in Oakland than the Warriors do. So. Ooh. Well,
0: that's true. Are you uh are you upset about the Oakland A's moving to
8: Vegas? Ooh.
12: Probably not as man, much as our Oakland friend here. Why are you bringing up you know, where,
6: where you you about about that?
12: Football, <laughs> I, say, I think our other Oakland friend here is more upset than I, but I am still sad for my city. We have, no, we have no professional sports teams left in Oakland, which I think is absolutely ridiculous. The
6: roots. You forgot about the roots.
12: The roots. We do have the roots. That is very true. That is very the,
0: true. The new WNBA team will be practicing in Oakland. All Ooh. I
6: thought. Yay. They're good to <laughs>
0: That right there is Mark J. Spears from Manscaped.
6: We're talking about joining us from which basically says, We don't want you to practice at the Warriors facility, right?
0: Right? It sounds nice, nice.
6: (laughs) it's cool in theory. It's just it was available.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Nobody's using it, no one's used it in years. Uh, all right, joining us from New Orleans where he always goes for Thanksgiving and he always posts pictures of thanksgiving in uh new orleans and i am jealous uh mark spears what's up mark
6: yeah we got a thanksgiving brunch underway
0: huh. it's
6: gonna be so glorious I'm trying sure. with campaign i guess we'll see i just want the food to be right
0: <laughs> all right i'm sure you hold them accountable yeah. uh okay kendra so the warriors have uh, finally had um a couple of good days and uh stuff is back from injury and not surprisingly the Warriors are looking better. This has been a little bit of a different season. It's still very early, but um, Steph has almost never played better. And the Warriors have been shaky with all Draymond Green's stuff. But um, what's the mood like in Warriors land at this yeah, point? I mean,
12: the, the, the win the win the other day against the Rockets was, I think, the savior of, of the mood, right? Like after that Thunder loss, they're both Thunder losses, but especially that second one, like you you could tell people were starting to get a little like we're not panicking but we we need a win we need to get this right I, so that that win against the Rockets <clears throat> felt really good for the team you saw Klay Thompson play a bit better than he has against in that second game against the Thunder you saw Andrew Wiggins play much better than he has so they feel that they're stacking the right pieces right and then they say once yeah once Draymond gets back once Gary Payton the second gets back we should at least have the pieces there to to really start to mold what we will be because that's what they keep saying is that we're not who we are because we don't have all of our guys. Uh, so once they get healthy, they say, you know, thing they'll start to turn the corner.
2: You mentioned Wiggins and you mentioned Clay and that that to me, like forget all the guys in and out of lineup. If those guys don't play at the level we've seen them play over the years, if if the first month of the season is what you're getting from them. It doesn't. Nothing else matters. So, if Wiggins' wake-up call was uh, the other day against the Thunder, and you know nothing, nothing helps Clay break a slump like seeing the Houston Rockets. It was the same thing last <laughs> year. Right, went down and lit the Rockets up, yeah. and next thing you know, it's like, hey, it's he's still Clay Thompson. If those guys are right, everything else has a chance to fall in place.
12: The thing that's interesting to me watching Clay this season is, is you know, and Steve says this a lot. Stephs, all the guys say it a lot. Like, oh, Clay historically has gotten off to slow starts, right? Which is, which is true. Uh, Spears, I don't know what you've observed, but like to me, the body language does feel different this year, though. When he's going through this slump, he looks a little bit more down on himself. Whether that's because of the contract, whether that's because of something else, right? It, it does feel different. And it's interesting to me because again, last night you hear Steve saying he was playing more within the rhythm of the game, but then he would still shoot some bad shots and Steve would have to remind clay, like, Hey, just swing, swing the ball. It'll find you again. To me again, it's always been who clay is, but you also, in my opinion, you have to think like, okay, why do, why do you still have to tell him this? Like, I feel, I feel like he, should know but and this has always been like the player that clay is so you know i do think that he's probably working his way out of the slump but i also feel that the start of this season his poor start feels a little bit different than than in the past
6: it it seems to me which is it's kind of odd like you know i've been watching clay play his whole career there and i've never seen him take so many bad shots right like all his shots have been contested and they just seem like they're, they're shots you should take when the shot clock's about to run out, not within the Florida of offense. so I think a lot of what Steve was saying is correct like if he just lets the ball flow uh pass it around and he gets an open shot he's gonna he's gonna do well. but if you look at the degree of difficulty on these shots that he's taken they've been just really like crowd groaning shots it's mm-hmm. it's really really confusing and I, and I think such wasn't the case early on um. Uh, in the Rockets game, so his um, he he's also somebody, and Kendra knows this that beats himself up pretty bad. Yeah, like when he plays bad, it's written all over his face and his body. Like there's no, no turning from that. But I I think that um, at this point in his career, I'm kind of surprised that he he's taking some of the shots that he's taking. And uh, I think Steve's trying to talk to him through us to just just let the offense come to you, and you and you you won't have to take such a rogue shots.
12: Well, the other thing that I've noticed is like, I feel like he's, he's always been a guy who takes those crazy shots that you kind of say, like, why would you do that? But then in the past, they've always gone in and it's now it's over the past couple of years that you started to miss those highly crazy contested shots where now it is a like, dude, like you have to stop doing, doing that. Like you're not making them anymore, right? Like you used to get paid to hit those insane shots because you were such a great Catch and shoot shooter, but now those aren't going down anymore. You have to be able to adjust your game uh, to to be more successful.
6: And he 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 would also like mix in some mid range jumpers. Everything seems to be a three. He's not taking the ball to basket. Um, I almost wonder, and Kendra, you, you you've seen more of them than than, even, than I have, that teams are telling them to make sure you close out on clay on every shot. Make sure you can because it seems like he's getting bothered by length more defensively huh. in a way that I haven't seen. But every bad shot is a well defended shot, and yeah. so he just makes him he needs to make it easier on himself. And yeah. in terms of Wiggins, I don't, it was nice that he showed up the other day. I, I he just doesn't seem mentally into it.
4: Mm-hmm.
6: Right, Kendra. I, you report
2: I, I was talking to somebody with another team the other day, and his theory was that Wiggins has to manage his body to the point where he doesn't go very hard in the summer, and yeah. so it's a pretty extended ramp up period to to open up the season. And I, I, if you're if you're a Warriors fan, I think that's a pretty optimistic right. take right. And
12: and I, I think the, the, we're, I know that I've talked to some people and there's a little bit of a, I'll say annoyances is like, that can be true. And also you have to remember that how much time he missed last year. And Mm -hmm. so when you think about the fact that he missed two months towards the end of the year, by the time he came back, you know, the Warriors really had what two rounds of the playoffs. So that's a couple weeks. And he, got injured against, he did play in that Lakers series, but he got injured. So, but he wasn't hundred percent. And then as Tim's saying, like you go into a summer where you manage your body, you're not as active. You're really seeing that. Like he looks thinner. He looks and not in like a frail way, but just like his arms used to be really like big and sculpted arms and now and now they just look a little bit smaller and so you you do hope though that this is a conditioning thing that maybe it's annoying to start the season coming into it not conditioned you missed so much time last year what are you doing that's kind of the thought process
4: mm-hmm.
12: but the good news if that is the case is that there is there is an end to that you know they he will get back into that condition um and like you and you saw a really good glimpse of it against Oklahoma but I thought it was interesting because so many of his shots like he doesn't, he isn't isn't attacking still. Like he used to, a lot of his shots were from the perimeter, from mid range. There were jumpers. He hasn't had that like explosion of crazy athleticism that you know you think back the to. Layups, yeah, yeah, players. it's all very gentle. It's not as aggressive as he as he can be, and how this Warriors team wants him to be.
2: Yeah, and you think can uh, like I throw this out
6: weird. there, and you guys can't just shut me down? Oh, I always do. <laughs> I think they miss Jordan Poole scoring.
12: I I don't disagree to a certain to a certain extent. To a certain okay,
6: any extent. any sense it starts with
2: I think they missed Jordan Poole.
6: I, I said scoring.
2: Okay.
12: No, but this is so he, he gave him a he
6: gave him a, a a jump about fifteen to twenty points a game. Steph have a bad game, he would he would take over in, in ways that I don't see anybody else doing. So I'm not saying they beat him.
12: I they, no. I I, just, but if you
6: think about it, they didn't replace his scoring.
12: I see what yeah. you're saying because I had the same exact conversation last night, actually, at that Rockets game, and it was a less like I, I think they made the right move, and in that same breath, right, like when everyone else is struggling, Chris Paul, he's just, you know, running, he's, he's doing what Jordan couldn't do in terms of organizing the team, not turning the ball over, like doing those things, which the Warriors really struggled with last year and they needed to address that. But in that same breath, yes, you know, Jordan, he could, when he was on, he could go and give them 20, 25 points. Chris Paul, isn't going to do that. And I think right now that's just highlighted because play is struggling because Andrew has been struggling. But once those guys get going, and then you also have Chris Paul distributing and, and setting everyone up as he's been doing. And then the hope is that, okay, Moses Moody will continue. Maybe, you know, Brandon
6: Pajumski has kind of emerged. But, but Jordan Poole crazy. can, if I'm wrong, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. He was the most consistent number two scorer on the team last year.
12: Third times, yeah. <laughs> For moments.
0: Did you guys see Jordan's latest um, highlight?
12: I get sent every single
6: <laughs> Jordan Poole moment
12: of the year. Oh, like...
6: That stuff is hot in the Bay, man. Anything Jordan. <laughs> this one, most, is,
2: his, most of his, most of his stuff, like most of these "quote unquote" highlights, is just like he's acting a fool and like he doesn't care. And it's, it's like basketball. It might get comedy. circulated
6: more in the Bay than it does in Washington. I <laughs> think
2: this one, this one was tough because the poor guy was trying to make the smart play and just didn't understand. It's
0: a, it's a, a ten-point game. The Wizards are down ten, which is normal. The Wizards are down ten with four minutes to go. Go ahead, McMahon. You can say what happened.
2: And so, you know, walking the dog, like that's when the inbounds pass after a bucket, you roll it up the court. And typically, you see guys do this for two reasons. One, to keep or to prevent the shot clock from starting. So if you pick it up like just before half court or whatever, you basically have 24 seconds in the half court, you know, boom, you can get in your stuff. The other thing you see guys doing this a lot late in the season or I'm sorry, late in games, is because it keeps the game clock rolling. It burns. Yeah, it's the, the game opposite.
0: Clock. It's a way yeah. to kill with, clock. Yes, because with, you get if you let it roll up for eight seconds, and then you can take twenty three yeah. seconds off the clock.
2: It's it's like it's like if a team, it's like if a, a football team is down ten points in the fourth quarter, and they come out committed to to uh, running the ball to chew up the clock. Like, dude, right. no. So, it's the so exact Jordan's doing what you're trying to do.
0: So Jordan's walking the dog. The shot clock isn't starting. <laughs> the ball is rolling up the court, and you know no one. I forget. He
2: notices the game clock's running, and he starts pointing up at the game clock frantically. <laughs> it's just like, dude, dude
9: that's not the
0: like way the refs work. <laughs> ref, what are you doing, man? You're you're, you're killing us. Um, they were playing the. Uh, who are they playing? The Bucks. The Bucks. The Bucks were fine with it running. Go ahead. Yeah. Just yeah. stay out there for another four minutes, Jordan. We don't care. Don't touch the ball.
2: By the way, I know we're we're talking Warriors, and we'll get to some Kings, some Kings. they' well, Kings last night, but uh the Bucks giving up one twenty nine to the Wizards. I don't care if they won. Oh, the Bucks defense
0: not... isn't really improving. We didn't Eesh. talk about the Bucks with Jamal because we were focusing so much on the Bulls. So Spears, you are uh, the, the uh, you were in New Orleans the. Uh, the the Kings are on a long six game uh, road trip. They're in a baseball series in New Orleans. Uh, they play again tonight. So when this pod comes out, it'll already happen. For all I know, they're going to put up 175. Um, they had their winning streak, six game winning streak, broken by the um, Pelicans. Pelicans have all these really good wins in like the last few weeks. They've also got a bunch of <laughs> bad losses. It's kind of a up and down. But you're um you're a, always a big believer in the Kings, and they've come roaring back since um, since De'Aaron Fox came back with Monday night being the exception because they lost by 35 but um, I know you keep an eye on your Kings and I know you were at that game on Monday night.
6: Uh, yeah, I think they are a little shook. A li- little uh, disappointed and yes, they played the night before against Tim's Mavs and had a nice win there but it's one thing to lose. It's another thing to get drilled like they did Oh my Never, fault. They play
0: the uh, second game on Wednesday, not not Tuesday night. Sorry. I apologize for. You. Sorry.
6: But they they were down by like 30 at some point. I mean, like New Orleans was going crazy. They're just drinking daiquiris and talking <laughs> having fun and like nobody enjoys a blowout more than people in New Orleans, man. They have they stayed to the end. Enjoyed <laughs> every of it. And I I definitely I talked to Mike Brown. He's he's concerned. I mean it's it's one game they lost
0: one out of seven games and he's concerned yeah yeah no he he wasn't concerned in dallas he
6: was pumping up he was pumping
2: up darren fox as an early mvp candidate when i saw him the the, the night before so
4: but i uh, think
6: he just 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 the way they lost and then uh keegan murray had a back injury that's where my concern would be yeah that and they um you know starting to have some injuries that they they're, they're probably the healthiest team in the NBA last season, which mm-hmm. certainly aided them a lot. But, you know, De'Aaron goes out for a while. Keegan's hurt. Um, they're, they're starting to, like, get some injuries that they didn't have last year. So I think that's concerning to them as well. Well, the,
2: and the Keegan thing especially because, uh, like, they have assets that they want to be active in the trade market. If they If they find an opportunity, they can pounce. Um, but they look at, at Keegan Murray as the guy who can be the third star on that team. Mike, Mike Brown has been very clear about that. Um, you know, they they look at him as a guy who can be it, not not saying right now, but can become a, you know, a, a prime Chris Middleton or Paul George type of two-way wing. And he got off to a bit of a slow start. He was dealing with something with his hand, um, hadn't shot the balls well. Uh, as he did last year as a rookie when he shot extremely well, um, which, you know, shooting hands, banged up, whatever. Felt like he was kind of starting to get going, and then now he's dealing with a back. That's that's not great. Yeah.
6: Yeah, so they have a well, uh, – it's, it's – you guys could tell me if this is just a league-wide thing, but there seems to be more of these baseball series.
0: There's than, definitely a lot in, in the last two weeks. It was like It was like five in the last few days.
6: Yeah. Uh, for sure. <laughs> so I'd, um, I'd be curious to see how the Kings play tomorrow, but they've been playing pretty well, especially with De'Aaron back. I mean, with
0: De'Aaron, this is the first
6: the stinker they've been had, awesome they've... as well. You know, yeah. Well,
0: I will uh, say this about the Kings. So, so they play the Pelicans again on Wednesday, and they close this road trip with a tough one in Minnesota on Friday. Minnesota is undefeated at home. Um, but then they go through a stretch where I think they play, let's see, one, two. Three. They play 10 of 11 at home. And the road game is at the Clippers. So it's not a tough road trip. So,
6: and I, I know that the Vegas bad. I got the sense in that locker room after the game, but they they want to Spears they like they before got you got to go bracket, but they want to go to Vegas.
0: Well, we were just talking about this with McMenamin a little bit ago. Um, you know, this isn't just lip service, there's a lot of guys talking about, about this thing, and, and we're coming down to the nitty gritty in this next week where it's going to get determined the Lakers are going to end theirs uh Tuesday night. But, um, yeah, like, you know, uh, the Kings are in first place in their group, the game on Friday against the uh, wolves is an in season tournament game. Yeah. And, um, that's for first place in that group, group C in the Western conference. Um, you, you get the impression that people are talking about that, you know, that the players are really, you know, into it
6: now that they're further along. They they could sense Vegas. They could sense a check. Uh, They definitely, um, and and I think it's also, you know, the stars get money, but when you start talking to younger guys on a team that don't get the same kind of money, then you're like, all right. But I've been talking to different people and they said, um, even some people from the Kings are like, Hey, we sense a difference when these games are being played, a a bigger Mm -hmm. sense of urgency and, so I think it's going to end up being a win. well something for the
0: Kings to win. The Kings haven't won anything, yeah, ever, mm-hmm.
6: <laughs> yeah. You know,
12: since they like came they to Sacramento, it, they
6: put a banner up. Like I wonder, like for the teams that haven't done a lot, if you win this,
12: tournament. they would Sacramento, yeah. Yeah. absolutely. Put
6: a Do banner up, light the
2: beam, yeah. all that kind of good stuff. You would be lit <laughs> for like a year. <laughs> Yeah, listen, I I hear a lot of teams talking about wanting to attend the live show on the Friday before the championship game out there, Jimmy Kimmel's Comedy Club. A lot of motivation. Between that and $500,000, I'm not sure what what, what has them more what, motivated. What
6: did I miss, man? What's the Jimmy Kimmel thing?
2: Oh, Spears. Spears. Friday night, in-
0: December 8th, first and last, probably, Hoop Collective live show at the Jimmy Kimmel Comedy Club.
2: And hey, get oh, this, the, the, the Bitly link for tickets is bit.ly dot slash wendy. Can I
6: get a ticket? Hold on. Wendy Hoop Vegas is the link. So Ooh. yeah. I mm. thought you were saying Jimmy Kimmel was hosting the show.
12: See, Mark's not interested anywhere. He's like, no. no. Go. <laughs>
6: yeah,
0: I, was, I thought Jimmy Kimmel was gonna be up there. No. No,
2: Jimmy Kimmel, Jimmy Kimmel wanted a real star in there, so they invited <laughs> Wendy.
6: Oh, he's gonna get a good turnout, man. The hoop collective is universal. I get people talking to me about it all the time.
0: Well, thanks for coming on it. I appreciate it. Uh, enjoy your Thanksgiving, Kendra. Enjoy your Thanksgiving yeah. um, Appreciate you coming on. Um, all right, McMahon. Ask you guys your... one thing real quick. Yeah,
12: yeah.
6: What side dish is a must?
0: Oh,
12: we
6: had
2: this conversation last year.
12: Mac and cheese, Wendy. I don't. My
0: family they make question. like a like a sausage stuffing casserole type thing, which I've never had before until I got into my wife's family. So that's my favorite side dish, but I don't even know what it's called. So I don't have a great answer for it.
2: I, I also go with stuffing s t u f f i n stuffing. Have you had oyster stuffing before?
12: Yes. I have
0: not. That is my grand my gra-
12: shout out to my grandfather makes a mean yeah, oyster, oyster stuffing. Oyster stuff. mm. I'll bring you some leftover spears when we're back. They the have
0: different side dishes in New Orleans than uh, elsewhere. Yeah, spears. I mean gumbo. Well, we've talked on the pod about is that your aunt who makes the gumbo in the ten yeah, foot high we, pot? It's not ten we, foot. I'm exaggerating. Yeah, my cousin. Yeah,
6: no, we, gumbo. It's like, it's like a it's like a
0: <laughs> witch's cauldron, and it's your cousin. Yeah, and, I gotta
6: go. Kendra, you her. should
0: see this photo. She's up on a step stool because oh, this man. pot is so big, and she's got like a like an <laughs> oar. She's stir stirring it with. And it looks spectacular. I expect nothing spectacular.
12: less. I expect nothing less. They
0: yeah. have to get, you know, Spears is like, what are you, Spears? Six six.
6: Yeah. I could have started it before.
0: Yeah, he's everybody has to come to them. They're like in Oliver Moore, sir, more. And he's got to be the one to dip it in <laughs> the the, the
6: well, you know, the ladle well, in here, there. Here's a side dish I'm I'm gonna bring. And I'll oh. leave you guys with this. I'm, is I'm going fishing in the bayou. Tomorrow morning, and I'm going to bring back some redfish. Oh, look out. He's yeah.
0: guaranteed catch. By the way, you know who's like super duper into fishing these days, I hear? And you should go out with him. Who's was that? More into fishing than golf, I'm told. Number 23. Anthony In his Davis. post, no, Michael Jordan, the 23.
6: Oh, that 23.
0: <laughs> I hear that. <laughs> I hear fishing is his passion. Okay. And, uh, you know, it is now that he sold see? the. The hornets, you gotta really? get out there with with MJ. Yeah, I you love think that. you think he's talking trash like uh would you pull in that wide mouth bass? Hey, he's talking just, trash? just a
2: couple of Hall oh, of Famers sure. out in a boat,
6: you know.
0: No kidding. Yeah, you guys are all in the same club. Let's
6: just, just, just let's go, MJ. Own. Bring me, man. Bourbon, hook me up. Oh, there you go. Yeah. All uh
0: right, uh all right. Thank you, Kendra. Thank you, Spears. All Enjoy right, your Pete. holiday.
6: Adios, amigos
0: all right well, we're gonna close it out just wait just wait mcmahon there were two right. of them okay all right mcmahon Bon temps isn't here yes i hope you enjoy your holiday thank you for listening to our friends giving pod we will be dark that's what they say in the in the industry we'll oh. be dark for friday's pod we we'll talk we'll come back to you with the tims uh after the weekend next monday And everybody, enjoy your holiday. Thank you for listening. Thank you to Jackson for putting all of this together. It was a lot of work putting this one together. All of our guests. And thank you for listening. McMahon, the floor is yours. Adios, amigos.